and welcome to the Crash Courts Podcast. A day that shall live in infamy. This day. Yes. Not the two other occasions that Nelson Lugo was present. Our guest this week is, of course, the one and only Nelson Lugo. Um, I that's foretold the return of the Magi for many weeks now, so it's a pleasure that, to have him back. That's, that's not like, like bigoted <laughs> calling you Magi or anything like that, is it? Uh, it's like, a little like, racist. I'm okay. not going to lie. It's oh, a little sorry. racist. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to let it slide. All right. Okay. Well, just let it though. slide. Uh, hey, all right. hello, we're, off, we're off the hook. All right. Yes. Um, um, I'm back. God knows why, because I hate music. But here we are. Let's do this. We're glad Our for foremost correspondent, of yes. course, <laughs> on a music podcast. Um, Hates the crap out of it. Nelson Lugo. Thank you for joining us again. I appreciate having you on. Um, you picked a great album for us. But before we get to that, um, I want to talk a little bit about what you've been up to. Because we haven't seen you in a while. Okay. You have some new stuff going. Um, the most um, notable that I've been seeing a lot of on the internet these days sure. is your YouTube channel that you started doing. Yes. So if you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your visual medium... Uh yeah, I I uh I do I I I do magic tricks. I film You're them. Really confident in that apparently. Yeah, and then uh, I put them on the YouTube's. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm actually having a bit of a crisis of faith with it right now, to be oh. honest. Hmm. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I, I, and maybe it's it's entirely possible that I'm that I'm comparing myself to other people, and that and that's never a healthy thing. So, right. um. But also, I'm a very results-oriented person, and so numbers don't lie. And uh, my YouTube channel isn't doing very well. I don't really have a lot of subscri- uh, subscriptions, um, and I don't have a lot of views. And I'm kind of wondering if I'm just putting myself out there and getting the sort of internet equivalent of crickets. Uh. Well, uh, speaking of your videos themselves, they're ranging yeah. anywhere from a minute and a half to like 20 minutes or so. Oh goodness! A couple, a couple of weeks. No, no reach, goodness, reach no. Past ten. Well, no. Uh, yes. I mean, there's uh, there's uh, one video that's eleven minutes long, and that's my longest video. Mm. But generally speaking, they're they're about a minute and a half, give or take. Yeah. Well, that's that might be something you may want to change then. Only from a from Do, a serial to, to watcher long, to longer or shorter. Either or go the a full thank, route thank of you, like thank full you minute for, and a half. No, full minute. Thank minute you for and the half. very specific critique of either no. or. That was great. That's yeah, going right. to help my magic right. career Let, immensely. My, my Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's get to the bottom of this. What's your tag situation here? Who are you tagging? What's uh, up? Are you, my, How's your SEO? My, my doesn't sound very good. My tags are <laughs> mighty and long, sir. Mighty and long. Mighty and long. That's your problem. It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't work if it's too long. Um, you, needless, don't to, you don't have to be that specific. Need, needless to say, um, we, the three of us are really in no place to comment on your YouTube culture since we're still sure. struggling to figure out how to get people to subscribe. Yeah, to two, two hours watch our might be audio a little podcast. bit too long for an uh, actual yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, video. fuck you telling me, I can't watch it. It's 11 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm I just don't saying. have 11 minutes to waste on a thing. Actually, it's worse than that. <laughs> I fuck have you. plenty of time to waste on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, to, to, oh, pro- oh, to promote God. Nelson Lugo, let's uh, let's talk about why your thing is sucking. Right. Um, well, no. well, I mean, if, if 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 people out there in the Crash Chords land um, want to uh, check it out and give me give me a critique, tell me why it's working or not working, you can um, just uh, search for my name, Nelson Lugo. I have my own channel, and I have about forty-five. Seriously? Yeah, about forty-five videos. You checked. I was watching them earlier. Good today. gravy. Yes. Well, I, well, I have 45 videos, but I only have like 36 that I've been producing as uh, my own sort of 
content rather than people filming me and I put it up kind of thing. I think mm -hmm. it's good to call um, out for critiques, though, um, on one's own work. Because you know that phrase, like, the universe is, we are the universe just trying to understand ourselves? Oh, sure, sure. That's what sure. the internet is. It yeah. doesn't know how to get popular, and no one actually knows. We just tell no, each no. other how, yeah. and maybe someone helps out along the way. You could ask PewDiePie. He probably could tell you how or something like that. Cause Nobody like here but us is going to know who that is. PewDiePie? Yeah. Everybody knows who PewDiePie These is. These two do not, I guarantee. Nay, me. Uh, I've... I've I think I know what that is. That's a he's video game like, commenter. Yeah, he's, he's a video got like game yeah. YouTuber. Yeah, thirty to yeah. forty billion subscribers yes. at okay. this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the guy that. If, if, look, if you if you like what I do, then then subscribe and give it a like. Leave leave me a comment. If you don't like what I do, then subscribe and give it a thumbs down and leave me a comment. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So or spam him, please spam him. <laughs> <laughs> Just inundate him with one-letter comments. You, you. I, I would I'm be a, happy. We can allow this. Yeah. We can, as a group, allow this. You can read a spam at the end of every one of your videos. We will. We will pass that. That <laughs> treasure. Totally do that. That. We got a bunch of them. We can forward them. You. Yeah. No, no, no. I would love to be able to do a magic time video where I just read the spam. I would love. To, I would love to have that problem. Or even get one of those <laughs> robot voices to read the spam. I can, oh, like I, can, I, can just, cool. I can just do a robot voice. There you go. There, there you go. go. Total non-inflection. Yeah. He's uh, a performer. <laughs> true. Changing speed a little bit. Um, <laughs> since the last time you were here, um, yeah. I've been able to see Gathering the Magic, which is your one-man magic show and storytelling extravaganza. extravaganza. Sure. That was the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Um, which, which I think is wonderful, and I've really enjoyed the kind of structure that it's built out into and this kind of thing that you, was just kind of ideas floating around when you were a guest last to becoming this full-fledged show that's had many, a few Oh, that's runs. right. Yeah, yeah. I guess when the last time I was here, it was basically an idea mm -hmm. rather than an actual thing. So, uh, so as a post-mortem, like, what's it feel like to kind of have that perspective now? Now that it's been a full-fledged show, it's run a bunch of times. Uh -huh. How do you feel about Gathering the Magic as a show? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ask that considering the YouTube I should proceed this with a disclaimer. We've yeah. already had to deal with a little bit of crap on this because the original poster that you had for Gathering the Magic, magic we had to take down. Oh, that's right. When oh, you got yes. the, when you got So your trouble is our trouble now, sir. Well, no, I got the same NDA. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, cease and desist which, from, magic, from Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not yeah. an NDA. Yeah, Wizards I got a, uh, I got a cease and desist letter from, Matt, from, from Wizards of the Coast. Telling me that the, although they they they've looked at the content and they're absolutely certain that this is an homage rather than some kind of um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for plagiarism yeah yeah it's it's an, it's yeah. it's definitely an homage to, to and and a love letter to the source that I'm I don't really have the rights to use their logo and I I, I basically adapted their logo as you know for my thing and their logo yeah. is just the font. Yeah. style. Essentially, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they own that font style. Gotcha. Um, and I didn't really change much. I just basically moved gathering below magic, or above <laughs> magic, and... <laughs> like, original. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were really, really nice about it. It was the nicest cease and desist letter I, uh, I'd ever received. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I showed them the new poster, like, oh, yep, we consider this matter closed. Thank you so much. Um, and so once I saw that online, I immediately went to Steve, uh, we have to change the photo we have on that episode because yeah. we featured that poster. Yeah. So, um, but to, I guess to go back to answer your question, I mean, it. <sighs> how do I answer this? As an artist, I kind of hate everything I do, and so uh, against I hear those yeah <laughs> against my own popular opinion, this is actually good. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I know it's good because I've had too many people and too many reviews to tell me that that what I think of it is wrong. 
Yeah. And so it's it's really humbling to be able to create something that people genuinely enjoy. Because for the longest time I've been I've you know because I've been so deeply ingrained in the New York City burlesque world that I never had any sort of recognition outside of that and I was merely uh, a presentation device for other people to shine. And this is the first time in a very long time where I've basically cut out a slice of the sort of, you know, entertainment pie just for myself. And uh, it feels good. It feels really, really good. And and the, 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 the future of Gathering the Magic is really, really bright. And there's, you know, there, there's plans for festivals and, and a, a tour and cool. uh, European stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. Awesome. And yeah. then I, I got to also... say one thing, though, that I do miss about that original poster is the outline of your brain and all the different pieces <laughs> of it that are, cool. yes, are being broken analogy. down yes. in the show. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, we, you know, because the, 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 the show, and you, you can probably speak more of this because you actually saw it. It, it doesn't really have, it, it's, it, it's kind of, it has one foot in a very classical presentation of magic and one foot in a very modern sensibility. And the, the original poster I designed for it just wasn't right for it. It, it. it needed something that evoked something a bit more vintage, a bit more gotcha. uh, classic. And um, So you sepied it all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I paid a very, very talented person to do it because I'm not qualified to do it. And uh, um, I was very happy with the results. So, yeah, it was a very yeah. cool, you know, the, the final poster, I just like this kind of cartoon, old school cartoon version of of yourself sure, with the, sure. the, this kind of almost mystical version of the writing. It just it, it added a lot of mysticism, I think, to the poster, which was really cool. And the show itself, I mean, as I've said many times on this show, I'm a person who responds very heavily to emotional response. And there is a lot of there's a lot of fun in that show, but there's also a lot of emotional response. Like one of my favorite stories you tell is the one of your grandmother and your asthma attack. Sure. Yeah. Which is a very personal story about you having an asthma attack and you going to your grandmother for help and not getting the help you expected, essentially. Right, and still getting help. And still getting help. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's and I think it's just a really great story, kind of smack in the middle of this fun show that has kind of this moment of heart that's really nice. Oh, well, key, thank you. Key to its success at the moment is obviously the idea that people don't expect to get that kind of emotional punch in the face from a magic show. They don't expect right. that in general. I think I think they that expect was a... substanceless, you know, uh, amusements rather. No, and absolutely. And then you provide them something. Absolutely, you know, I think I think the. The, the people generally expect for magic shows are the lowest expectations of any entertainment Ouch. ever, other than say like a mime show. It'll be, it'll be okay. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> no, 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 and that's and that's and that, the, the problem. That's the problem with modern magic, at least the, yeah. the way modern magic is presented in America. That um, almost everyone's expectations for that kind of show, the bar is very low. Right. And the idea that they're just going to kind of like wander in and out of this thing. It's just like, huh? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like they don't really, you know, people don't nor normally associate magic shows with any kind of thought-provoking material or yeah. anything that's going to be evocative of anything, uh, of any vulnerability. and Which is why we have you on this show, incidentally, because there's some people that don't even approach music in that fashion. And <laughs> music, despite having a record to the contrary, still has to, to face this challenge. Right, and I just, I you know, to me, magic is a performing art, just as valid as ballet, just as valid as... as um, you know, uh, music just as valid as, as anyone going up on stage and being vulnerable with an audience. And right. I wanted to bring that back, you know, and the last time that really ever happened in America, at least, were the sort of classic turn of the century salons where rich people would hire magicians to come into their living room and perform for like 50 people. And it was a very intimate setting. Yeah. And so that's what I set out to create. And, and uh, I've, I just got very lucky that it succeeded. So. 
And uh, a final question before we get into the album you sure. chose. Um, I know you're work, currently working on a new show. It's, yes. It's in the beginning processes. Very beginning processes, yeah. And uh, do you want to just share the title? Is that public knowledge? <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's public knowledge. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what else you want to share about the show, so I figured we start with the title. Yeah, and see yeah, where yeah. Whatever it is. I'm not removing it later. <laughs> that's, no, no, that's no, no, your no, no, no. You lie the, in it. <laughs> no, the, 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 well, gathering the magic. I didn't get in trouble for gathering the magic. Right. I got in trouble for just stealing the their logo. Yeah. Um, uh, the new show is called uh, Life, Death, and Other Illusions. Uh, and it's what I learned. Basically, what I learned from doing Gathering the Magic is that although it's a, it's a, it, the show can be vulnerable, it's a very safe vulnerability. At no mm -hmm. point is the audience ever concerned or uncomfortable. And I felt like I could go deeper. I felt like I could go um, uh, further with the idea of, of using storytelling and magic in a way to evoke uh, an emotion. And so these are going to be a collection of stories with my personal brushes with death uh, both literal and metaphorical, uh, you know, through um, showbiz death and death death. Well, I mean, yeah, death death, or or even just breakups, you know, like heart or heartbreak, you know, the the kind of mourning that comes when when you lose someone in a relationship rather than losing someone permanently, and pairing that up with magic and how that's going to work. And so, why don't you just call it mortality already? We're <laughs> 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 all depressed enough. <laughs> well, I mean, it's sort of like it's say and, what you mean, and, sir. <laughs> and the unique challenge is how to present something that has the pitfall of being very maudlin and emo mm -hmm. and goth in a way that people will walk away inspired by it. And so that's the challenge that I face. So cool. look for it soon <laughs> and at a theater near best. you. The yeah. feel-good show of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, though, uh, to tag on at the end, though, the, the run you had at the tank, I yeah. think, was really great. And they provided you with a great space. And the show just really fit. And I think that... Well, it, was who, it was tailor-made for the tank, the yeah. tank theater, yeah. And the fact that I've been watching you do magic for a long time and Sideshow and other stuff, I really feel like that show and this direction of kind of putting a personal spin is, is to me, the best thing I've seen you do. Just because oh, thank it, you. It, it really connects the audience to what you're doing more than, hey, here's a thing, and now here's another thing. Like, it, well, it, there's I, more connected to absolutely. it. Absolutely, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I hate... <laughs> I hate magicians. Uh, I really do. I hate. I hate magicians. I, I hate uh, them with a fire passion of a thousand sun. Uh, what I do respect are artists who use magic as a medium to tell a story. Mm. Whether whether that's a literal story of like a fairy tale or a slice of life story from their life, or just the trick itself has a beginning, middle, and end mm -hmm. that takes the, the 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 viewer on a journey. And I. I love artists that use magic, you know, in the same way that I love artists that use oil paint or. You See, know. and I always, I also feel that that's a prerequisite in a way, like hating other people from your own medium. You need to hate them, otherwise you wouldn't do this <laughs> to think and presume that you would do better than them. Well, you, yeah, like it, a, being an artist is kind of that. There's a little bit of trying ego trying to in contribute there, sure. something yeah, to but, the pie. Okay, then, then there's the guy that does locked in a glass box over the you know, Times Square sure, for a while sure. and calls that magic. Right. And that you're allowed to hate that. Everybody should hate stuff like that. Well, <laughs> you're, you're obviously speaking of Mr. David Blaine, mm. whom I've met, and he's a very lovely man. Mm -hmm. um, I when's we, he gonna do magic again? Well, that's that's the the thing. He would argue that what he's doing is magic. I would argue that it's not. Um, and and the thing is, both arguments are valid. He, he can he can make a very cogent, very intelligent argument as to what it, the the definition of what he does is magic, and and 
many magicians, myself included, can make arguments that it's not. And I think it's it's a lot like poetry or music. It's very subjective, and you take from it what you take from it. And you know, he's you know, I, I I'm a more of a traditionalist in the in the definition of the word, and he is trying to expand the definition of the word, which is fair. I don't agree with it, but there are people who love that stuff. So I think no more true is with authors authors who especially like to shut themselves off from the world and refuse to read anything else <laughs> they don't their hatred doesn't stop at other authors they hate everything right. and then pursue their art i mean i love watching good magic and i it's it's very rare when it happens because uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of hobbyists out there who who call themselves professional magicians right um and uh i just you know it's there. There's no fine line between being really, really good at what you do and being passable at what you do. And a lot of people who are just passable at what they do get congratulate so often that they think because here's the thing: even a really bad magician can fool someone, like basically gobsmacked. Yeah. And that and that person who just got fooled with an inch of their life is going to walk away thinking that's the greatest magician they've ever, ever seen. No, don't, don't worry. You're, you're established enough in this business that you get to pick the direction that it takes for the future. I don't know if I'm personally big enough to really steer the course of the history of magic. No, nope, it's been said. Crash Chords podcast. <laughs> Crash Chords podcast. Heard here first. That's right. Well, we'll I see. I just sanctioned I mean, his I career. Would, I, I, if, if, if my small contribution and, and you can add to the art form in some way, then, then I will... I will consider that a success. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. I like that. How grand. <laughs> How grand from, of you. From, um, from here, we should go into the album you brought us. So great. just tell us a little bit about why you chose this album, because I think it's actually very interesting why you chose it. Uh, well, this is uh, Benjamin Booker, a self-titled... Um, uh, uh, Benjamin Booker. Uh, Benjamin Booker, self-titled album, Benjamin Booker. Yes. Benjamin it's his Booker. first album. This yep. is his first outing into the world, his introduction Full to the length, world. yes. And um, I picked him completely at random. Wow. I, <laughs> I, Damn. I uh, basically, because you guys made a rule recently we did. that <laughs> all the music had to be okay. within the past like year or two. Yeah. In all and, fairness, it wasn't terribly recent. It, we've just had... Um, We've had a lot of mistakes and errors in the past. Fair and enough, then if, fair our, if our guests want to like stretch that and bring on earlier albums, we don't really hold the grudge. And lately, uh, lately we've, we've been kind of strict. That, that's all. <laughs> well, I mean, I had an album in mind that was basically purely designed to troll you for the entire podcast. Hmm. But I'm not allowed to use it because it was written in like 1973. So, Well, consider the kinds of things that, that this particular artist references. Had the album been released in 1971, could we have some of the same conversations? Uh, probably not. Yes, no. that's a that's a teaser. That's yes. a stinger. Yes, there. Um, but I, I, keep, but li I, keep listening. I, I also chose it uh, because it, um, it, it, it won... I, Oh, I, the internet's going to be yelling at me, fans. Sorry, Benjamin Booker, but uh, you won some kind of award, like a best album in a certain category. And forgive me, I don't know what that is. Um, and I saw that it was also, uh, it was a debut album. Mm -hmm. It's generally lauded as being uh, quite good. It's won an award, at least one that I know of. And it was uh, done within the past couple of years. And I'm like, and it's also uh, very bluesy. And I'm like, this is it. Let's do this. So having no knowledge of Mr. Booker whatsoever, I picked the album, and that's what we were listening to. All right. 
Um, and so, of course, the first track we start with is the single and also the only release prior to the album besides a short EP. He released this song on its own in the call, the true traditional single style with not even a B-side, just the single song. Um, I think earlier in 2014, the album came out full length also in 2014. And the song is Violent Shiver, which is the introductory track to the record and kind of giving us a taste of what we're going to get through most of the record, actually. Yeah, it's an introduction, it's a single, and to be honest, one of the first observations I had, considering I made that little teaser, is the idea that this is sort of referencing a lot of what was done back in the classic rock era, but at the same time, like, through the eyes of a more modern indie rock approach. Mm -hmm. And you hear this mostly in the mixing itself. It sounds incredibly clean, but it the, the musical style feels almost like it was meant, or rather bon born out of a very, very raw writing style like if this album were made let's say in the late 80s or early 90s it would have sounded absolutely terrible the concept that but people would have like bought it up back then the only thing is that like today it's like yeah it's kind of a stretch no we're gonna use the best equipment on a very very old raw style and it it, it it's kind of uh it's pleasant to hear in that sense it's, it's brighter the style really gets honed in with that uh the guitar the motion of the guitar the actual flow of the guitar itself the chordal choices and just the way it, it, it's it's attitude driven but still playful enough that it's not intimidating is very much early 70s classic rock to a t well yeah let's get all of the little pointers here because it's almost all over the road like even just the first opening guitar line in this first track i thought it was going to jump into johnny be good or something <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking see <laughs> it's like it feels like johnny be good and and i guess and, and, and this is going to be my journal note for the entire album, is that the entire thing just feels like comfort food. It feels familiar. It feels, uh, at least to me, it just, there, there, there's just so much about it that makes me feel good about the music that I like that's generally considered older or classic. Older or classic and kind of scattered, which is why I like I start out with Johnny yeah. Be Good in that opening line, and then as I described earlier, I kind of get this overall classic rock feel. That's like, all right, that's the late sixties yeah. slash early seventies, and then furthermore, the style and the approach is raw, almost as if it were like in a punk realm, and that's sure. more of the late eighties things. What I was saying before, and yet it's still all through the eyes of modern indie rock. So and I like covered the last I, fifty years. I loved it. I, I loved every second of this opening uh, track because it basically. It lays, it lays the groundwork for the rest of the album, and you get immediately who this guy is, and his music, and his and his voice, his vision. And that's probably who the, is he? <laughs> that's the most the interesting aspect of this, just from the get-go, is his vocals. Yeah. And this is something that, honestly, we're going to stop harping on, because we're going to harp on just how guttural it is, how gravelly, how... Just he's he's whisper shouting. Yeah, is one yeah. way you put it, Nelson. Yeah, I, I remember saying that. It's like a frog in his throat, but he's right against the mic. I mean, it's very evocative of old mainstays like Jim Morrison, where he was really like on sure. the mic to sing. But, but it's like but the less flip less side. enunciating. And that's, that's the thing. It's a flip side to what I, you, you used to get with the Doors. It's instead of being a crooner, he's taking the exact opposite route here. He's he's making things choppy. He's making things very raw which is it feels like a kind of a punk influence on it yeah he, he slurs yep. like robert johnson and he <laughs> he shouts or rather just like utters things in the vein of mick jagger 
and yet he still kind of has almost this like more modern like Lenny Kravitz deal about him. I don't know. It's it's very all over the place. So it, in a way, his vo- his vocals are a nice cross section of the same thing I'm describing in the music. It's just all over the place. So it does kind of create a little bit of a problem where you have to figure out like, all right, what is this specifically? It's it's so immersed in reference that you know I did have a little bit of a harder time as of the first track just in in trying to get into it. But I I generally had the same approach as you, Nelson. I was just kind of like I'm along for the ride because these are also old and familiar and it sends me down a nostalgic trip essentially for me but one thing just quickly to uh, where he's from it should be noted he does have that deep southern influence which contributed to a lot of what we just mentioned yeah he's from new he's orleans from new orleans yeah. so yeah born and raised kind of got it bred in him to to pursue all these avenues something i also liked about this track just coming from where we've been over the last few weeks is it was nice to hear drum guitar bass in the intro no fancy organ no fancy other woodwinds or yeah it was very straightforward and also the song itself the length was you know only a little over two minutes it was very short and sweet i think that it really kind of was an impactful, here's who I am, and it's here's ener- what influenced energizing. Yeah. It's very energizing. There's not much to say about it like in terms of music complexity. A lot yeah. of it is just this opening, like, we're here, we're on stage, we're ready to rock you. Um, it succeeded in that. I couldn't really find any fault in the first track. And then one final piece about his vocals, because this you didn't actually touch upon, his, the way he inflects the words themselves. He, he has a, he has a very unique up. intonation. He yeah. drops out syllables and whole words at times. Yeah. To, to legitimate whispers. Well, it's almost inherent in what I said about the Robert Johnson Mick Jagger thing. Like, yeah. because he's so slurred, yes, you do lose certain things well, here Well, no, it's there. not even that. He goes from here and will completely drop out. Yeah. To the point like, where you can almost ignore that there's a voice there. But if you do hear it on headphones, and headphones might be the best way to that's hear right. this it's just, album. It's just a tortured soul. Just making, <laughs> yeah, it's just a tiny little bit. Making <laughs> sounds of sorts. You hear just a tiny little, like, just like a, a almost a whispering wail in the background, yeah, and then it comes right back up. It's very interesting. I love it, yeah. and it's once you start following it because it can be just a little bit intimidating. Those first few words, once you really get into the groove of it, it's it's just fascinating for me. And for the rest of it, it's just a lot of like steady guitar strums over mostly one chord, maybe another chord. That's pretty much it. The drums in the background, though, was something to note. They're pretty spectacular, very rounded, very dynamic. And that was actually one of my favorite things, even over the course of the album, were the drums yeah, themselves. Yeah, I think I think over the yeah. course of the album, the, the the uses of drums as as almost in front most of the time, and and letting the drums lead everything I as think texture. Is, they sometimes make yeah. you forget the fact that the guitar is just playing the same strum over and over. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I loved it. I th- I thought I thought it was a great opening track. We got a lot of perks in number one. Let's go to number two. Always waiting. <laughs> so I thought it's, uh, rather foreboding. So I th- I thought that the the I mean this song didn't start terribly differently from the previous track. We've got another kind of high energy rock track. But there no. was something there was something that was a little bit different, and that's the heavy feedback right away. That's yeah, true. this this open and this that intro was interesting. is pretty yeah. It kind of rocks your world in the beginning. It thinks yeah. you. It, you it almost hints at the fact that they're taking this in a completely new direction, or rather emphasizing the fact that the intro is just really the intro, and then the meat begins right here, because this is exposition. The way in which this is built, I, I'm just obsessed with the mixing here. It kind of does, this time, lean a little bit more closely to that like, like late 80s, grungy, dirty punk sound. But just because of how slow this is, the slow, grungy intro with the bass in the background that sounds... Not particularly warm. It's muddy. 
and it has almost a vibrato to it. I absolutely love that. And it syncs up very slowly and very evenly with the crash symbol. Like something is being, is going to be conjured, you know, not to make shameless magic references. No, please, by all but, means, by all means, please do. <laughs> but I, I felt it was appropriate. It, it has a dissonance, I think, that really kind of breathes a great transition period that we get very shortly after. But it kind of creates this kind of... Uh, this wave of sound that's yeah. very different from the previous track in the intro. I and forgot then, about the intro. And actually. then it morphs with a quick little, like, this little acceleration that brings us back up to tempo, or rather to a new tempo that is perhaps even a little faster than the first track. And that, that transition is well done. That slow into fast that goes along, that, that, that pickup also showcases a little bit more of the drum work, a little bit more of the guitar work. Yep. Drummers don't often like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they, but I've tried to work this out with drummers before. It's actually very challenging. And like, all right, we're going to speed up here. But then it involves so much eye contact. It's just like, all right, we're going to do this in tandem. And they're just like, no, you guys follow me. And that's my role. And, I'm but, the drummer. But that's what's interesting about it. The drummer really is already showcasing that he's... Um, a lead instrumentalist. A formidable yeah. presence. Yeah. The yeah. fact that they can keep it tight enough that having that kind of a tempo change, and it's not a simple change, and it's not a simple drum line, really showcases some skill going on here. Oh, absolutely. Also, after this transition, we get rid of that muddiness that was there mm -hmm. in the opening segment, and now it's all of a sudden a lot cleaner. Just the, the, I had the same exact compliments as I did back in the first track. It's 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 quick, it's fast-paced, it's very clean, and uh, yeah, to be honest, I think this is kind of the track that, that probably would counteract my earlier statement. The idea that it maybe could have existed in that like late 80s, early 90s atmosphere, but I don't think it would have been unbearable to listen to. I think it would have fit in in both places. They use the indie like just as much as they use the punk or, or everything else at the and, same time. And that's, and that's I think, what, what, what I really love is that where, where we get the sort of classic 50s rock and roll, Johnny B. Good of the first track, we come, you know, we come almost almost to its like evolutionary um uh path to this very driving punk sound yeah you know and it, again it's it's a whole lot of fun to listen to the distance at the beginning just you know remind me of songs of like you know uh the beatles revolution that whole like mm -hmm. plugging the guitar right into the uh board rather than yeah. to an amp and um i loved it it was it's such a great sound one other cool aspect uh, going back to what happened in the first track here, his vocal inflection is still dropping out words and things like that, but instead he's actually repeating lines. And by doing that reinforcing of an actual an idea, of, of, of saying something like, always praying, you're always praying, nothing's changing, but nothing's changing. Yeah. Since you're not catching every syllable the same way, since his range is just varying, the repetition isn't there, but the reinforcement of these ideas, very simple statements, is refreshing in, mm. in a lot of ways. It's very impactful because of that. Also to note, this track was even shorter than the previous, so he, it, it's clear that here he has a very succinct vision of what he's trying to do with these songs, and yeah. he's doing it in a very focused way. He's not letting it drag out, and I mean, there's plenty of rock bands that do five, six, seven-minute songs where they let stuff drone but, on and go on longer. He kind of keeps this very hyper-focused and has a through line with it. But if we're actually talking that this is a little bit of an homage to the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the vast majority of rock and roll was three and a half minutes or less. Sure. Oh yeah. So he's Absolutely. actually still keeping it within the same realm of what he's exemplifying. And I think I had thought I, the same thing. I, I think I, I think this is a comment I'm going to make throughout the, this whole album is that very same thread. Like he's 
definitely looking back to uh, the roots of, of his particular voice, but he has a very singular and unique vision of how to present it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just, it's just so wonderful to hear. And I, you know, uh, where you might argue that it's a more of an homage, um, I, I, would, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose that's fair to me. I, I don't see it as an homage. I, I just see it as building upon uh, the you know standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, no, I accept that I'm coming from a slightly different angle with this. I mean, obviously, I pressed it, prefaced it with the idea that I heard it almost through the lens of things that pre-exist. But right, I mean, yeah. it's a tough if it's a tough word because if if you say that's nostalgia, then in a way you're already kind of admitting, well, all right, there's there's inherent throwbacks there. If I'm getting a nostalgic comfort food of an album, as it were. Well, it's more it's more it's it's not it's less nostalgia and more evocative of other things. You know, whereas Well, like let's take one thing specific. Sure. Go ahead. Like his vocals in this track, I noticed were a little bit more distanced than they were in the first track. Their sure. the vocals themselves are not as clean here. They're a little bit more in the background, which is why going back to what John says, I think he gets sort of to get away with that, you know, that reinforcement and that repeating lines in the background because it's almost as if he were his own chorus. Yeah. It's just it's in the background and there's still very grungy, it's still very, you know, uh raw, but it's earnest in a way. So I give sure. it I give it this this much. But still when I think of that, I do think more of punk because they have a tendency to be so just filthy as it were. And I don't mean content wise, <laughs> I mean Right, it's a, I it's mean, a dirtier yeah. sound. Exactly. It's, it's 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 a little less uh uh No, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And and that's valid. To record sure. properly would be to, you know, make the man happy. That's just <laughs> It's, who wants that? <laughs> um, also, with this track, we're, we're really getting a sense of, like John said, how his vocals have this kind of rough feel. Yeah. And I think that's something that adds a characteristic to this music that is, while reminiscent of the names that you listed, Steve, still yeah. is kind of giving it a character all its own. Because while it's reminiscent of those, it doesn't sound exactly like any of them. It's definitely influenced I'll by it, but say, it has yeah, character its own. His voice may be like truly, not 100% unique, but definitely something I haven't heard before. And that's just an identifier that you can't beat on yeah. an album. Well, as we move out of this track, I will say there's a slight issue that I have toward the end of it. I agree that it was a fairly uh, tight product, but from a chordal perspective, I'm maybe, you know, two tracks deep. I'm a little bit bored from that standpoint because of the fact that, you know, when you have very regular chord progressions, you know, generally just using one or two chords, um, it it's... It kind of wants to be a little bit anthemic because you would tend to use fewer chords to, you know, create something memorable and impactful. But the problem is I haven't, I don't really have that moment yet here where I actually have an an anthem that is kind of like uh, staying with me for ensuing hours or ensuing weeks. Instead, it's just, you know, it's it's pleasant, but it, it fails to drive the point home because it's not taking that next step into like further expanding sections, more complex chords and stuff. It's just, you know... You're gliding. <laughs> That's the way these tracks feel as of as of track two. Track three, Chippewa, does release that a bit because of how it changes the tone. The bass is more in the forefront here at the very beginning, and also we add a new instrument. We have an organ. And it's a really subtle... <laughs> an electric organ. An electric organ. It's a really subtle element because it actually is really, really far in the background, but it actually provides... It now takes the role of just kind of gliding along. It takes those singular chords and just moves us through, you know, uh, the, the anthemic qualities, if, if you consider that to be present here. It is the, the, uh, the drone. Well, the, the bass itself also does remain very steady. 
it's not a walking bass. It's not very experimental or anything like that. But being so forefront, being so much in your ear, when the guitar comes in and starts con contrasting with it, it's it's a very much a, a tumultuous relationship between the two <laughs> instruments. That I think the organ does a good job of smoothing out between the two. Yeah. And that's what's really cool about it. I also really like that the first two tracks were fairly straightforward drum, drum, guitar, bass, and now we're getting a little something else, something to round it out a bit more. Um, we're getting more interesting instrumentation based on what we had received previously. I mean, an electric organ we hadn't heard at all before, and I wasn't honestly expecting it. Yeah, to be clear, it's not really like we got more chordal complexity, but here's the thing. If you're not going to use more chords, then y use something else. So in yeah. this case, perhaps what they were, were lacking just from track one to track two was, you know, throw in some more texture, throw in something else. This added that, so it's like, all right, it, it moves my mind away from that other little critique, and now I'm kind of being wowed by other things. Uh, I really like the swing feel in this track. It has this, like, very driving, steady, but, you know, by, by swing, I mean, you know, when you break it down into, like, the, the, the triplet components, you know, just one, two, three. Uh, then syncopated. It, so. it, it, it focuses on that, like, the three and the one. So, like, three, one, da-dun, 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 and it's almost as if you're, like, like it's playing this while going down Route 66 or something. The wind <laughs> is blowing in your Easy hair. Rider, I think. <laughs> this could be in the Easy Rider soundtrack. Like it's motive I, power. That's exactly what it kind of rolls uh, comes down to me. I mean, this would have been anything from Easy Rider to a Ford commercial. Sure. And yeah. it it has a life of its own. Just that sort of tempo. Well, it, it's, it's when you, whatever you throw on top of it feels different just because of the tempo itself. Just because the tempo and the texture and the organ and all this is working together, this is kind of what I was explaining before about, like, it, I almost have an anthem here. It's still in my head now. Yeah. I can I can picture it, like, you know, that's one of the reasons why we don't necessarily feature this, uh, feature the music itself, like, on the podcast. Music Gate is easy to do that, but we don't do that. Because that way, it kind of lets you say, all right, well, how close did the album ring true to you, you know? Yeah. If, if it's really still sticking, then maybe you'll know what we're referencing. Who knows? It's a, it's, a, it's a game of memory. We also get in this track something really interesting that we hadn't gotten before. There's, this track, track's a little lengthier, and we get, a, 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 I guess it was a bridge, where they go into the instrumentation and the guitar solo. And um, I yeah. really like the direction that he played with the instruments here because where before it was kind of just moving through sure. and was kind of very steady but did a little few little flyers, this is where he really they really kind of step out a bit and show off a little. I think this was more. the solo. I hardly yeah, yeah. say a bridge. This was just like a yeah, right. clear-cut, quantifiable solo and saw both the drums and the guitar interacting really, really well and then the, the organ sort of climaxing it out, bringing us back to the main section. Really well done. Actually, the guitar goes through phases itself. It starts off distorted feedbacky and then goes into that fuller crisper sound that's still old school grainy ish not quite you know as clear cut as you kind of would expect from just a guitar solo nowadays mm -hmm. which keeps it still within the realm but to go from that kind of feedbacky piece into it is sort of like a clarifying moment for the song itself to really make the solo that comes after the distorted piece uh, a little more gratifying as everything starts yeah. to clean up, yeah. I, what I what I really really love, I, I just I I keep going back to that, that electric organ. I love <laughs> this electric organ Especially in the this, outro. I love the outro. I love it. it so much, and it's sort of like I mean because the whole piece, you've got a lot of low bass sound in this. Mm -hmm. You've got you've got the drums with the do do. You've got the 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 bass, and you've got his gravelly low voice, and then you've got this bright just 
like a beacon in the night, just over the top, like. That's the organ for you. It's, it's, it's ethereal, and and because it's so reserved, you can kind of pull that off. It's not overbearing. No, it's not at in all. The distance until the end of that solo, where it yeah. kind of steps forward, and that, that, but that's, it is, that's really but artful. But it is, but it is just lovely, uh, and I fucking loved it. One little comment on his vocals, though, at this point. This is a track that I still had pretty close reference, and this time it wasn't to Robert Johnson or Mick Jagger or any of that. It, this was... <laughs> I, I think it's not so much of what his vocals were doing, but because of how the track... how his vocals were approaching the track itself. And it was more in the vein of, like, Bob Dylan, because mm -hmm. Bob Dylan tended to have these very, like, steady progressions in the background. And and maybe it's why I think of, like, that easy rider, at least that time period here, because it sounds like an anthem of, you know, blowing caution to the wind or something. Well, and that's that works a lot perfectly. Of what Bob Dylan would at least That do. works perfectly for the message of the lyrics. Everything is coming together with this, because the song itself, just looking at the chorus... She don't mind the whirlwind coming. Well, I preface And this. she ain't looking down the road. <laughs> and she don't mind a lonely man, but she do mind not eating for days. May your God find you a better way. May your God find you a better way. It's all about search. The story, the music progression, even the singing style. He's trying to do something that's all promoting the same idea. Well, okay, this is all very positive, but if you remember, I preface this as a negative. <laughs> In my case, I'm going to have to count it as a positive, though. I'm going to say he's actually bringing his artistic style. But allow and me his to convey why to it is a negative. I believe it's because the words that you just read, I'm not getting. I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it cut across to me. So I just kind of hear the slurs that are present in a lot of Bob Dylan. I don't know half of what Bob Dylan said. As far as I'm concerned, like... If you know half, okay, you yeah. know more than me. <laughs> See, I know Bob Dylan. Half his shtick is, is, is gibberish. I don't know. People tell me this poetry. I'm sure it's there. I'm sure. But, it, you know, that would involve reading. Yeah, okay, no. I, I listen Music. to a lot of Bob Dylan. I'm used to trying to decipher indecipherable lyrics. I still get them wrong, but that's going to happen. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't overtly difficult. For me to actually get on like a third listen. Well, like he's got fully. a he's got a very like he's making a very clear artistic choice here about his intonation and his cadence and the the, the style in which he is delivering these lyrics. And to me, it just it it, it, it adds to the repeatability of listening. You know, I, I I I love listening to this one over and over because I'm learning something new about it every single time. Right. Well, I don't know. It, it, I'm back and forth on it because I used to be somewhat similar in the way that I never really was like eager to, I guess, get the lyrics, you know, from the song directly. It's like, I really care more about the music in the end. I really care more about how it's jiving together or how melodic it is. But, you know, it's this is not the most melodic approach because he's so reserved here and because he kind of just slurs over things, it again looks like he's just, you know, there. He's just there. He's just like a separate track. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of looking for that extra little thing, whether that be the uh, a more melodic approach or whether it be, you know, clearer lyrics. I don't know. It's always just a little minus mark for me. Well, it's also, I think he's trying to go a little bit too iconic with some of those parts. Especially but, later on in the album. That may very of, well be more the music than anything. Of, I think the music is giving us the iconic nature of the time period that we're all no, somewhat associating saying, it with. I'm saying his vocals might be going a little bit too iconic. And perhaps. When you start looking at, like, The End or Smells Like Teen Spirit, yeah, like yeah. some of these monster songs, love them or hate them, half the time you're not going to understand what he's saying unless you're a fan, unless you really hone in on these words unless you dive deep into them. That's just what these musicians, these singers are actually doing as as part of the, the character they built. Or just maybe because they can't sing. 
<laughs> Which we're not necessarily saying That never saying stopped here. Joey Ramone. Yeah, well, it never stopped Jim true. Morrison no, either. I'm... I mean, they, they both knew they couldn't sing. I'm glad John said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the same time, here it's not a case he can't sing. He can. He can no, do, yes, he can, he and can we get actually, we really get it later. I just I guess it made me he, he in cracks his voice without that. cracking his voice at in, parts in, where he hits notes that yeah. honestly anybody trying with his style would crack would break on, and he doesn't. He can sing, so this is a definitely a conscious choice. Well, that made me kind of I guess as we go out of this track, it's it's I I have two things to say about it, one positive and one negative. One is the fact that I like that he took us in a different direction, but in some sense it still is another direction we're a little bit familiar with, which led us down a whole other road here. And it's like, I'm glad that it's probably one of the most interesting track, especially considering that, that phenomenal solo. It's the most interesting musically to me, but it almost broke the illusion that I was going to, you know, get something new along the way. It's just, it's other various sections of his influences um let's see what we get in slow coming because this kind of changed it up but albeit in a different way it's a lot more relaxed than anything we'd had up to this point the first three tracks were all pretty fast paced but this uh, to be honest in the very beginning here the guitar believe it or not almost rang closer to post-rock than anything else which is about as modern as it gets because of this like slow almost lullaby approach the 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 heavy reverb in the background combining with the organ drones it's just it it was pretty solid and the space around the picking that he's doing on this guitar is so varied that you you don't get comfortable with it the organ the organ that's in the back is really almost a complete rhythm section for the majority of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, and because it's light, and it only backs up the guitar, which uh, it's it's not a rhythm guitar, it's not a solo lead guitar, it's somewhere in between. It's Yeah, it's, it's almost like, I mean, there, there's so many other things happening. It's almost like the organ is the thing that we latch onto to bring us through the entire piece. I agree with that. You know, yeah. and, and to me, there's just something really smart about that. There's just... You know, this is. I mean, for me, "Slow Coming" was the is was the moment in the album where I got a sense of his skill, his love of the craft, his his um, how intelligent he is about the the thing that he's doing. It was also the moment in the album in the, uh, that I was finally, I guess, abated from the. What I said about the chord changes. It's like, all right. It's been pretty stagnant up to this point. And even in the beginning of this track, it's still fairly stagnant. We sure. get a lot of ones and fours. It's pretty boring to me musically, but I like the texture. Still, there was a point where the music just cuts, and then his vocals remain, and you get this shift just following that from the four chord to the minor two. First time he had actually done this in the track, and his vocals are uh, singing at the fifth degree of the second chord and it was a very sad move at that moment it, it took a, a, a different emotional route for this track and it was the first thing that actually spoke to me as cliche as that sounds on this on this album because up till now all right i'm getting i'm getting uh it's almost like we were saying about the music the musician routines before i'm getting bemusements but it's like you want the emotional impact well that's sure. what we go to uh, yours truly, Nelson Luke. Oh dear, <laughs> don't do that. But it's, this is this is what I go to on this album. It with this particular moment, and you know, I, I I'm fine rocking out. But this is what I'm looking for in in his work. The the beginning of the chorus with the word honestly, and yeah. that yeah. that it's that beautiful. also is yeah. so beautiful. The impact, just his pronunciation and the choice of the word 
honestly. And it's and it's not just it's also the way he, he again it, it's his cadence, it's his intonation, it's his delivery. It's a, a you know he he could have said honestly in a million different ways, but he chose to mm -hmm. say it in the this particular way, which conveyed so much about what this song is and where it's going. Um, which, which actually, when you when you really delve into the lyrics themselves, it becomes a modern day protest song, mm. uh, with lines like, "Although our parents fought to be equals, the state decides true love if they only knew it." I mean, that's an obvious. Uh, there's a lot of jabs that can Absolutely. just come from that. Absolutely. One. Uh. <laughs> he, he's he's making a statement right here, and this is the first time he's really making a statement. And it's one of the few times he really does seem to make a statement. But that itself is also a throwback to the stylistic choices. Mm -hmm. A lot of rock and roll. And to some extent, what he's doing right here is very iconic of what the Woodstock protest idea was. This sort of style of being paced and being almost like the single guitarist, this lone voice in the woods kind of an idea, is exactly what you use to do a protest song. Well, hell, to you, do that sort of idea. You're oh, going yeah. to hate me, but this this uh, even rings clear that reason and other reasons that the pacing of this track even reminds me perhaps more of a Bob Dylan song than, than the previous one did. I mean, I, just the whole pacing of it, it's so slow and relaxed. It, you can kind of glide over it. Uh, in, and Bob Dylan kind of did that, again, oh, for sure. about half of his shtick. He just glided <laughs> over tracks. You know, he just set down something and then... And then spoke, you know, what he's speaking of. Well, you gotta, Actually, you this, gotta squint. <laughs> this, this to me has has the kind of heart and sincerity of like a Janis Joplin, yeah, uh, uh, song. I mean, Janis Joplin, like she fucking belted songs, like sure. you know. So, but it, the same kind of passion, the same kind of like almost restrained rage, restrained emotion that that. You feel it, even though it's it's pulling itself back. You you feel it just on the edge of it. And I can accept that argument from like a, a musical approach. The sure. idea that you would use a very steady, stagnant track to convey restraint, and as if it were pulling back the right. vocals from really like you know branching out. Um, and you know I, I accept that, but I I, I do want to. I guess it's the musical selfishness, you know, in me. The idea that's like, I just want what I want in a certain time. And earlier on, when Maybe. they do that one moment, you know, that, that, that shift to the two chord, sure. they don't do it again. They now do it for the remainder of the track. Instead, right. it's just, you know, it's back to the ones and fours. And it seemed almost as if the track just, it took that time, I, I believe the word was honestly, you know. And right at that moment, we, we get the climax and essentially the first third of the track. And then after that, we just we just coast and he coasts and we coast and that's it. I, I mean, know. well, at the end Still of the track... Still relaxing, but... At the end of the track, though, he breaks out from the relaxing a little bit. We get a more grungy guitar sound to take us out of the track. Yeah. Which yeah. I liked because it's a call back to what we've been getting earlier. I do remember that. that was... And it kind of it kind of wakes you up. It gives you that kind of pivotal moment at the end. But I'll admit up until that point the guitar didn't really do much. Well, it's, which is interesting because I enjoyed that part, but my my reaction was that it almost didn't feel like the track warranted it. Like the mm. idea that we were building up to something. It's like, well, it was fairly steady, so, you know. It kind of falls. Where's the last hurrah coming from? Out, Did we have he's... a preview to the hurrah? I don't know. Well, no, he's also as he's doing this part, he's 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 crooning out almost as crooning as he gets, very kind of low key to accompany what's going on. The future is coming slowly. In a couple of different iterations, he's just saying that the future is coming slowly. Yeah. So I mean, it's sort of a, a depressing ending he wants to put on the on the end of this. It's it's not happy go lucky at the end of the song. 
It's a very, it's a, it's a very vulnerable uh, piece, I think. I mean, because yeah. I, 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 I certainly get. Even just the title, slow coming. I feel yeah. like I'm waiting through life yeah. for something to you know, happen. And and that's and I am absolutely fine with that. You know, there's a yeah. there's a there's a, a a kind of a heartbreak to this song that is very beautiful, and and his delivery of it is just is both sad and beautiful at the same time, and I just really respect that. And then also the ending of the song musically does help lead into the next song, Wicked Waters, which is punk. I mean, Almost, yeah. It's, it's it's like a solid punk song in the very beginning. Well, especially after the intro. But in that intro, I actually thought this was something pretty unique in its own right. Here, the vocals at this in the in the first few bars, it they almost counteract the slow tempo in the background, which you can't actually hear because we're lacking a percussion section. Instead, the tempo isn't actually marked by drums in the very, very beginning. It's, you only hear it against the vocals because the vocals are, are working in this hemiola where you, you fall on like the one and, and then after that you fall on like the and before the two, and it's like groups of three within a bigger structure of four. So you'd have to play the tempo in your head, and then all, the only marker you have is the vocals and the, the uh, guitar crashes that actually do occur on beat one of every measure. It's a really, really nice structure, nice setup. But then after that, it speeds up. It's a lot more fast-paced, and this is when it starts getting a lot more punk. I almost, I don't know, it almost took it away from me because I was liking the intro so much. But it wasn't just punk, and it was almost iconically punk where it was punk. It, yeah. It, there's breaks <laughs> in the guitar where that drum that I loved earlier shows back up. It's, it's, the drums are bouncing back to a decade earlier or decades earlier where they kind of just become a showboat piece, just having a little bit of fun <laughs> in between the verses work, uh, verse work. Well, when we're doing reference work, I guess we should be specific because I almost feel like this, this whole album is just so rock oriented. I, I feel like punk is almost a, a misnomer. The idea that this is like 10 years before punk, but certainly in the roots of punk. I, this is probably the most Rolling Stones that they were on this album to me personally. But when you think about it, Rolling Stones is kind of a foreshadowing, uh, a foreshadower for punk. So it's like, sure. you know, I, I, I see where he's piecing his things together. We just have our connotations. We, we want them to be what we want them to be. I also liked how his singing style here was even more staggered than previous tracks. He's got that deep, roaring voice, but he's also spacing out the lines and lyrics. That's the hemiola. That's yeah. what works yeah. against the, the yeah. beat. And I really, I like the way he does that because in previous tracks where it kind of had this syrupy flow, here he's kind of halting it and he making it even more it, noticeable. Yeah, it, very staccato, yeah. It, it comes across as like a stammer almost. Yes. Yeah. Well, that punctuation is kind of in line with the drums themselves, especially when the drums show up sort of solo or with their own little punctuation of the guitar work. It, it works in tandem, but in the really heavy guitar sections, it kind of drones. It, it kind of gets lost a little bit. His vocals what I are felt. not f strong enough to really compete with just straight walls of guitar. My favorite part are the verses where he goes back to that hemio. That's my favorite part every single time. But in, when you may go back to the to the choruses, it's more of a wall of sound to me. And Which, yeah. well, that's Rolling Stones in a way, too. Well, that's <laughs> punk in so many And ways. punk. In a, so you, I and, think we're starting to piece together music. And I think <laughs> the I, and this is it. where, at least for me, where I, I start to get the sense of his ability to take all of these uh, disparate 
styles like, you know, Rolling Stones and punk and blues and put them together in this jigsaw puzzle that works ultimately for me. Uh, and it, it just, because it, 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 it's so heavily influenced by everything that came before it, and, but it, it's bringing in all of these influences into one cohesive piece that I just really enjoyed it. Well, I think that kind of tells the reason why we call so many things rock, even though we have so many different subgenres of yes, rock. Yes, yes. And that's because this guy is not changing the actual sound of his instruments. He's not no. changing his guitar tuning or anything like that. While the guitar will sound punk in one song, classic rock, or 50s in another, or somewhere in between, it still sounds like the same guitarist, the same bassist, the yeah. same drummer. Yeah. So yeah. for all these different genres and, and decades we're getting, it's still sitting together as, as a very cohesive idea as far as the uh, identity of the instruments go. Right. Yeah, which is why I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give this track some due. I'll give this track its due and not speak about it in terms completely of referenced material. I think it was doing some pretty tight things here, especially in the second verse, when it returns to that, that hemiola here. You get more you know, it's a little bit more interesting. You had the drums are a lot thicker. You don't ha quite have the the lacking rhythm section that you had in the in the the intro, the first verse. Instead, now you have the drums and you also have the bass, which sounds a lot cleaner, probably than the the muddy occasions which in earlier tracks. It sounds uh, actually as if it were recorded in the '60s, and that's just it's a kind of effect that is is I think lost on a lot of. Uh, recordings in general right now that's something we could definitely you serve to borrow i and love the way the bass was recorded in the 60s and the 70s mm. the and the direct input effect and having that bass being sort of a steadying piece the drums start flopping around a little bit they mean they get they get a lot more playful and that's why i can't even call it rolling stones i mean i would harken back to something even a little bit less angsty or anything if you really <laughs> want to put it. i don't know how angsty the stones are but but Oh, they're angsty they're, enough. They're, they're a little bit. They're a little These angsty. These are just fun, good, fun drums. I mean, it's it's not hammering home any like really heavy notes, heavy heavy percussion. That's right. That feels abrasive. The it's way almost it's, the other parts. It is becoming a very solid contrast. It's it's to almost the uh, it's almost like surf drums without actually being surf drums. A little bit. A <laughs> yeah. Li it, I mean, we're not talking Beach Boys, but a no, little no, no, bit. no, no. And and you know, and it's it's not Wipeout or Tequila either. Yeah. I'm just, but I'm saying, but yeah. it's got that kind of playful um, thing that 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 is not Ringo Starr. You know what I mean? Like, Ringo yeah. Starr was a very methodical drummer, whereas... Uh, These this... would, it actually might even be more along the lines of, like, say, 90s alternative. Sure, yeah. Which yeah. which is... It, I would even harken it back to 70s. It's weird that it's a, there's kind of a dichotomy going on right there. Yeah. I think we all love the verse, but I, I'm going to be stubborn to say that this, <laughs> this is a two-headed beast, this this track. I, I like what I like, and the rest, you know... Fair enough. We'll Fair see. enough. Let's go to track six, which might be one of my favorite titles on the album, Have You Seen My Son? <laughs> this is about as depressing. I was just watching, I was watching a lot of SNL recently, and I remember uh, an early Mike Myers sketch where he plays this German guy, Dieter. Oh, yeah, he, these sprockets, sure. sprockets, 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 sure. sprockets. Best German television presents sprockets. And there was this uh, one sketch where he brings in a guy who's like, all right, he, this is going to be his guest. And he's like, you may know him from Munich Television's hit TV comedy. 
who are you to accuse me? <laughs> it's like, that's the trolling that I feel like I just got on this album. Because it's been so kind of, I mean, all right, yeah, if you get into lyrics, yes, he has some 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 issues, seriously. But it's been a pretty lighthearted ride up to this point. Even oh, sure. the lullaby sections are pretty lighthearted. And all of a sudden you get a track called, Have You Seen My Son? I'm sure it's metaphorical. But, but let's, you know... <laughs> So this track, it, it kind of harkens a, a little closer to what we were mentioning as a, like a classic rock and roll sound. But I felt like as far as tracks go as a whole, this one was more steady and kind of had more of a solid through line than previous tracks. It wasn't kind of all, didn't have playful drums, didn't kind of experiment to go all over the place. It kind of, at least in the early part of the track. The first half of the track is yeah. pretty safe. I don't yeah. have much more to say about well, it except from things we've previously discussed. The vocals are really taking a backseat, and this is something that's immediately disappointing. They get drowned out by a lot of the guitar work, and the very heavy use of cymbals in certain Yeah, parts. crash cymbals, baby! Yeah, but when it goes on for 15, <laughs> 20 seconds... Fuck uh, yeah! More crash cymbals, please. No, no, Must that's I reiterate wall of sound? Does anyone know what that means? <laughs> no, it's wall of guitar. It feels, it, it feels, like, it feels like Joan Jett. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, All right. it, feels, it feels very, you know... You know polished raw is yeah. that a thing it's a very polished raw sound and i loved it it, it was polished it was, raw sounds like what i was complimenting in the first two tracks i don't know if i really apply it here <laughs> I, I think it's just raw i don't know i can't really take it that extra mile but but being that we're crash chords and i don't like you know just dismissing any section of any track i'm going to try to give this a benefit of the doubt considering what intrigued me so much in the title sure have you seen my son you told me that the world is full of sinners and placed a Bible at my feet. I could hardly understand you. I had just learned to chew my meat. I heard that you were calling on the Lord, asking for answers, for some relief. Heard that you were calling out my name, my name, and you cried for a whole week. Said, have you seen my son? He's lost in the world somewhere. I pray for him every day, but I know he ain't seeing your ways. Is he all right now? Is he all right? I love that. I mean, yeah. the, the the the. It's hard not to be a little moved. Yeah, sure. that's great. I didn't hear a... any of it. <laughs> okay, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. It's a great love song to his mom. Sure. Well, I I don't get it. That's yeah, you, I didn't get it. You can't get it from listening to it, and at least not on an initial listen. It's oh hard no, not no, no 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 no. Which is and which to me is uh, not a glitch. It's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bonus. Because, yeah, it's a because feature. It's a feature, yes. It's not a glitch. <laughs> it's a feature in that this, for me, this is what I love about it in that it invites repeat listenings. It, right. It, it, it wants you to, to really dig in and really... Th this is an artist who I really feel is really wants the, the, his listeners to work for it. And... And you know he he you know rather than having it being a passive listening experience, he's presenting an art form where you have to go out of your way to to get the deeper meanings. And which, that's that's something which that to it, me is part of the fun. You really. come on the podcast, well, you use our words to against us with a lot of the. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> with a lot of grunge, with a lot of punk, that's exactly the yeah, mentality of exactly, music. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You like no, like I am I am going to create something, and I don't give and it's and I'm not making it for you. I'm making it for me. If you want to, if you want to know why this is good, then listen to it a lot. Mm. And 
I think I think there's something really brave about well, just, that. Well, just to spark some fire here, you sure. know, well, since you did. <laughs> all right, I actually, I buy all of that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get the whole concept of, of, you know, approaching something in a way that is a little bit, a little bit off the beaten track, you know, trying to at least make you work. Pa- I don't, I'm not a fan of passive listening. I, sure. I believe sure, sure. most people should, as I, as I you know, know yeah. most art takes a little bit of effort on the part of the listener. Um, otherwise, you know, otherwise we're just being spoon fed and that wouldn't be a very fun world. Sure. sure. But uh, the, the deal here, here, especially in the early section of this track, is the idea that I think a more art- artistic approach for me is to actually utilize your vocals in such a way that brings out some of the emotive qualities of the work. And to me, they just seemed like two separate animals. I'm not really getting like this, this feel from the music itself. I might as well have, in this particular case, a, a, a situation where, all right, this is a book of poetry packaged in a jewel case that happens to have music also. And, and you, <laughs> on two separate occasions, that'll be a joy, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, even though I'm still a little harsher on the music, perhaps. But, it's just... but we get part B. So the All sec- right, so let's get to part B, and so the I'll second, be nicer. The second part of this track, it kind of in the middle area, transitions into an instrumental breakdown that goes places that you would expect Nelson mentioned the who where yeah. it just kind of all hell breaks loose almost. You could hardly even say transition. This yeah. track practically ends halfway and it was one of those moments where you know I'm looking at the track board I'm like uh the track board lies. That's a new track. It must be because all of a sudden it just breaks and then we initiate with this like military march almost. The drums are are completely owning the show here and I had to say this was this was pretty cool. They're they're very smooth and very dynamic and they almost like go through various segments one segment even just seemed to like saunter down the road you know as if the the drums were were like well as if drums were walking obviously drums drums are pretty sedentary instruments but if you had like a band line or a yeah. or one man yeah. band it just seemed to be this stroll via the drums but and it then builds. It, it, builds. it builds it builds almost to that kind of wall of sound thing but here i have context i have context because of the new texture that was just introduced and the wall of sound builds to this like steady guitar distortion it's almost like a single line like a flat yeah, line yeah it's yeah exactly yeah. the guitar is just this one sustained distortion exactly. the entire time and, it and then cuts. the most 90s thing oh. on this album <laughs> Is when it just cuts and fades to the amplifier, the pure sounds of the amplifier. Like, all right, it was guitar, and it just fades out into a single sine wave. Yeah. But the sine wave almost feels like it's being manually manipulated, like someone's just sitting up there holding the knob, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fiddling with it. I was making the hand motion as well. That's right, John is having fun with it. <laughs> but what follows afterwards, that solid guitar piece that the song ends on, is just so much That's fun. That's right. From that, we go into this this final jam which is a lot more you know okay it's a jam yes it's got its, its steady chords here but i don't know see this is the power of context when you have other things that precede or follow things then i'm able to like see things in a new light the kind of thing that i might have glossed over earlier on an album had it just been the entirety of the piece all of a sudden are much more artful because of how they're stitched with their surroundings that's art to me and having having <laughs> Not these three to find a point on my these, goodness <laughs> having these three kind of separate pieces building into one another in this B section of the song yeah 
comes off as near epic. Like yeah. it's it's yes. so nice. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved a like a five, six, seven minute instrumental of doing things like this. It's also a great divider for the album because yeah. like track six straight down the middle here. You yeah, know? exactly, it, exactly. We're we're right. We're we're in the halfway point, yep. and these guys are just letting loose here, and they're just doing doing what they do best and showing off and having a good time with it. All so right. now, while Steve said the last track had his favorite title, or possibly one of his favorite titles, <laughs> this, this track... This is my second. This, this is my second seven, favorite. Track seven, Spoon Out My Eyes, is absolutely my favorite title on the record. Spoon Out My Eyeballs. Wasn't <laughs> it Eyeballs? Eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Eyeballs. But there I is misspoke. a special context in the, in the chorus that we're going to get to that I love. So what I like about Spoon Out My Eyeballs is that at, at just the look of the track name itself, you're intrigued because you're like... Hmm. Everything else has sounded kind of rock and rolly. Sure. Very, sure. very kind of track names that aren't so far afield. Even Have You Seen My Son doesn't seem super random as a track for a classic rock song. Well, but, also it's just for like at a glance to read them like in succession is even better than taking one alone. Have you right. seen my son? Spoon out my eyeballs! It's a rather visceral reaction. They Might Be Giants would have written a song titled this. Sure. Yeah. It's, they yeah, might it's have. definitely a possibility. Yeah. They wrote a lot but of songs. What I like about this song from the Something moment it starts Kafka, yeah. is when the vocals come in on this, this is, we've always had this kind of close raspy sound to, this, to, to his vocals. But here, he is right up on the mic. It might as well be inside his mouth he's he's drunk in your ear holding you <laughs> john said right my... before last call yeah it's so hot the sound is actually moist in your ear J- john i can said... feel his saliva like turning from well, you know the gas coming out of his mouth is turning into saliva and it's 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 condensating on the mic right there falling through the cracks and down into the diaphragm and that is somehow why becomes i love this track <laughs> yeah this because... track is sexy it is. Oh, I think that's rather disgusting. Oh no, goodness! I think I, I think this is. I still love it. But, I think it's know. the I think it's the sexiest track on the entire album. You know, it's it's well, it's it's these lines that really just like hone in, and you know that I would clap my hands until they're red and sacrifice my body to the beat of the drum. That line right there, sacrifice my body to the beat of the drum. Oh yeah, love that. Yeah, sexy line. But here, sonic rounds would. Sp- Spoon out my eyeballs, and my feet would be glued to the floor. That imagery is freaking phenomenal. That's just beautiful stuff, beautiful poetry right there. And then, and and then, and, and, and sort of like in keeping with the style that he's been doing, there's a part A and there's a part B to the song where it just kind of goes to crazy town, and I fucking love it. Yeah, the interesting thing about these sections is like this is almost just as structured as the previous track was, albeit a tighter product because we don't actually have to focus on you know the bad part leading up to the really really well structured part. This as as a certifiable like part A, part B, part C, beginning with this whole like distanced weak style of guitar playing as if he was just in a daze or something, and the vocals are really close up to the to the microphone slobbering all over it. And then in part B, we, we pick up, we introduce the drums. Uh, it's got a little bit more of a punch, but it still has the same relaxed, you know, sauntering nature of the earlier section with this like, you know, one, two, uh, three, four. It's almost like an island feel. This oh. is why I remember, you know, you were saying something akin to it sounding like it was a ukulele or a banjo. Right, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the electric guitar just like kind of, you know. Plucking? 
yeah, Pawkin strumming along there. It's not the most primary instrument, but it, it, it sets the tone and the mood for this section, even after the drums have kicked in. I'm a little disappointed to, know, to, to hear that it wasn't an actual banjo. Yeah, no, it's a shame. I kind of want, want more banjo in my rock and roll. Depends on the speakers that you listen to it on, actually. You, you don't it's like, always want It creates banjo. different timbres. Don't, don't tell me what I want, you okay? No, no, You're not as real bad. Right. <laughs> you already told him how to do his YouTube videos. Yeah. Now we gotta go on this. Um... That said, really romantic chords in here. So I'm inclined to actually retract my statement before about how you were like, oh, it's, 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 it sounds romantic. And I was like, it sounds disgusting with the vocals. <laughs> but like, chordally speaking, this really does have a romance to it. it Maybe it, it's partially linked to the island feel, but there's some, Possibly. There's some yeah. little twists where he takes it even one step beyond that. And, and it feels, you know, more rooted in something rather than just relaxing as you would do on an island. Right. Which incidentally Matt just came from. And I think the lyrics. He was in Bermuda. I was in Bermuda. <laughs> I think sure. the lyrics even back that up with, I close my eyelids and wait for the clouds to part and the sun to shine on me. And he immediately follows that up with lines, Do you remember April 17th when I lost my shit and a couple of teeth? And I said, Oh God, I need someone to help me. Keep moving on my feet. <laughs> like, it's, it's, he, he, he waited for the sun to shine. And then it gets into the next part where we get a, Sort of like a, a another gallop with the guitar. The, gu the guitar speeds up again. Yeah, part C it was pretty interesting. And this is this is after we return to to part A, the more lullaby stuff. We strip the drum drums and go back to A, but then finally part C comes in, which is is basically a, a giant jam. But it, yeah, it's it's the galloping drums in the background that make it the seem just a little bit more imminent. You know, it's not as relaxed. Uh, this is not Bermuda anymore. It's it's probably Staten Island, you know. <laughs> That's a big difference. Yeah, it is, but it's Huge. an island. They're islands. They are both islands. I felt Actually, Bermuda compare. is technically a grouping of islands. It's not just one. It's an archipelago. Yeah. Well. See, not just damn. not just entertainment. Our resident island but education here on old we're, crash courts. Yeah, of that's true. We we were all about that. <laughs> we don't geography. We don't short you on anything. Well, having this gallop, it's it's also phrased with the lines. It's getting harder, harder to be real, to be real, to be real, and he fades out with that. He he drops it off as the song goes along, and it's it's sort of a, a, a plea, almost altogether. Yeah. It just comes off as him sort of fading away. I mean, a little iconic, little tropey that way, but it works. Well, like, with, with the, the kind of gallop pace of this, it, it also, at this, this is another time where I have to go back to punk, because it felt like you could actually mosh out to this in oh, a sure. certain way. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, he's just, like, rocking along to it, and he does fade out, but it's because he uses his falsetto here <laughs> just to do the little woo-hoo, you know, and it's, it's like the McCartney-ish fal falsettos, the ones that just, like, kind of quiver you know they're not terribly strong they're not the most dynamic falsettos in the world but they they quiver they get the job done it's, it's I, a fun way to end i also want to talk about the fade out a little bit because yeah. it's such a it's such a oh well he hadn't done fade outs yet well no know? well not, not yet but th to me this is a very poignant fade out in yeah. that it's a long fade out one and he's he's fading out as he's repeating the line over and over again and Again, this to me, this just speaks to his uh, how smart uh, Mr. Booker is about his music and yeah. what he's doing and how he's doing it, and what you know, and and every piece, you know, it, it almost feels like he's he he's he's starting with what do I want my audience to to come away feeling after they hear this, and he kind of drives there and. Uh, I just, I just, I, th I thought it was a, 
I personally hate those kind of fade outs. I would much rather yeah, just have a song just kind of end. We've had this discussion uh, before about how like excessive fade outs can be a little pretentious yeah. to, to presume that your song goes on forever. Right. You know, and, and the producer right. just had to clip exactly. it, you know, because it or, was actually eternal. I wrote it to be eternal. Or 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 the or like they just never wrote an ending to the song, so they're just yeah. yeah, it's like, ah, just fade it it's out in like, post. Um, but this, like, seems very, very... Uh, um, it's astute because of the movements that the track takes. Yeah. And you finally end with a sort of mosh outro. Then it's right. like, all right, great, yeah, moshes probably go on for a while. And it's like, people are getting hurt. Clearly people are getting hurt because, I mean, <laughs> I said, oh, God, I need someone to help me. Keep moving on my feet. It's getting harder to be real. So really emo moshers, you know. Emo Moshers, that's the Emo name Mosh. of my post-punk klezmer band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw in the klezmer there, you know, because you're sick. creative and whatnot, <laughs> or something. Let's go Moving to track on. seven. Happy Homes. Yes, track eight is Happy Homes, and this is the song where, so we've kind of had this kind of vibe in other tracks of that coffee house or late night bar kind of sure. what guy in a guitar feel, but this is, I think, the first time we truly kind of, this song and the next song, actually, you get a much more intimate and relatable feel. Sometimes it, it feels you can more actually, close in. You can actually almost be more intimate with the with the electric approach than the acoustic approach mm-hmm. because you get that, that reverb in the background, the drones. It's just the guitar pure, um, and it's... It, actually really starts out with like some dark opening drones here which i oh, believe yeah. is still created by the guitar but they're just like you know drones on it almost feels like an ambient track for a few seconds and then finally it just it just goes into this this another kind of saunter i don't know how many more times i can actually use the word saunter here but it's a kind of a good unifier for this album because no matter what tone any track takes it seems to have a similar kind of like uh uh, skipping rhythm, if, if that's well, the way you very, could put it. It's, it's very bluesy in that way. Because yeah. you know, blues uh, uh, traditionally has those sauntery, uh, uh, no, the, the sauntery feel throughout them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, obviously his upbringing is very much from the South, very much from New Orleans. So yeah. this, is, this is his, you know, uh, the, 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 all, all, of the, all of the influences of where he grew up sort of permeating everything that he's doing. You know, he's, he's a product of his, of his environment, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, I mean, even getting back to like what Matt said about the this being in a coffee shop atmosphere, it's, it's appropriate considering that this is probably one of the dirtiest sounds on the album yeah. and how poorly recorded this sounds yeah. like just <laughs> someone's you know digital recorder in their pocket just like yeah. at the concert uh which i shamefully did recently <laughs> to write a really good review on it but um yeah that's how this comes across and it is intimate in a way because it's like all right it's this one person's perspective this solitary human being listening to this very intimate yet recorded sound and his one amplifier and his maybe one pedal combo that's it but there's a problem here and that's the vocals get lost for me the the lyrics well, themselves really become kind of washed out that I, I can't hear what he's saying which is a shame because this song is done within the theme of I really can only liken it to like an old school Beatles like storytelling yeah about that third yeah. person well, of course, you have the same problem that I had earlier, and it's like... Uh, and this is the it, first time that it's really hitting me hard. Maybe also... I like this kind of storytelling aspect. And, and I, honestly, for me, I like the storytelling that is just conveyed through the music, 
through that intro. I, I yeah. almost wish it had gone on, or I wish it had developed in the same way that, that uh, you know, send me my, where's my son? We're, I wish it had developed in the same way that that one had developed. But instead, this just goes right back into something It's a little more upbeat. It feels almost like it's in two more than four. Um, the organ is in the background. It's things we've had already. And yeah, the vocals are not terribly, they're not terribly crisp. They've never really been crisp on this album, but it's just, I can't, I can't really gauge any of these lyrics. Also, the track as a whole, from that point on, is really pretty stagnant. Even the swing thing gets kind of tiresome. It's 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 hard to gauge the point of this track, I think, at a certain juncture. I, I feel like a subject matter is missing, and the only subject matter that had been uh, stated and stated really, really firmly was the intro. <laughs> what does that say? And the, your content is just a blur. I feel like... We've had clearer pictures just by the music, even if it was a little stagnant, whereas here, the picture isn't super clear, and, you know, it did seem to kind of hit a plateau, but that said, I still think that the intimate nature and the relatability of the sound of the song at least kept me interested enough to see it through. I don't think it's by any means a bad song. I think I just wish I got more of the story. There's clearly a story being told here. Sure, sure, sure. As I've said many times on this podcast, I do tend to get infinitely more critical as albums go on because once you have sort of shown your cards and shown your tricks, then it it, it becomes more and more challenged to build a, a, a more... Uh, expansive arc and an album that actually goes places rather than just, you know, reiteration, regurgitation. Well, I mean, uh, well, you... Can I... Can I uh, go, go, go. go. Um, we, we, also have to, we also have to remember that this is his, this is his debut album, right? Yeah. So, so just, just from a practical standpoint, these are probably, you know, songs that he's kind of cut his teeth on in dive bars and, you know, you know, shitty festivals and, and, you know, these are definitely, right, right, exactly. And so, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not expecting a thematic arc from this album. It's from me. I want to learn who this artist is. I want to learn his voice. I want to, I want him to tell me who he is as an artist and, so far, so good. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm I really excited for what this guy does next. That's actually an amazing point. That's uh, you know, that's a stellar point. And I've talked to the powers that be, that be, and right. they said that you made a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know. Um, I mean, I mean, it, you know, if if there's ever a second album for Mr. Booker, and I would love, yeah. that's where his, I would. His sophomore pre, his sophomore rendition of what he does is. is well, first, he's obviously going to get some more studio time. I mean, if this was well, big as it yeah. was, well, the reason I say it's a good point is because the reason I say it's a good point is because it's almost the same logic. The idea that I would become more critical, you know, later in an album sure. is because by nature, you know, uh, you're showing your cards and, and it, the ability is to keep it interesting over the course of time. Music is an art form that yes. uses time. Absolutely. For the same reason, you also have to be less critical to artists that are just starting out. We don't do. A lot of debut albums. We've done a few of them. Uh, it's one of the other reasons I, I I tried to get modern albums in there, but also semi-established artists, only because uh, you know we can look at what they're developing. And for people that are still developing their their work, it's just kind of like, well, great. People are talking about your work and having intense discussions on them. You know, it's it's. But I understand that it's identity at that point. It's all about building identity, and I totally get the the vibe that you're. Uh, explaining about like festival songs sure, and sure, concert sure. all of these they sound so raw like he's had a very very extensive experience with this and at some point you gotta 
scrap together these ideas and hey, put them on a record, right? Make an album. <laughs> All right. That's but that's what's said, happening. But that said, at least we're getting a very personal album because even the context of this song, if you just look at the chorus, I've been thinking about her right now. I'm still thinking about her. I can see her lonely face. Gotta hope there's a heaven. Oh, baby, you rest your head now. We'll all end up on the side of the road. And it's all right, baby. Rest your head now. We'll all end up on the side of the road. He's talking from a personal experience oh, absolutely. here. absolutely. Or at least he's presenting it as a personal well, experience. Well, you wanted this to be uh, a, a personal album. You wanted to get to know the artist. I mean, how much, you're probably not going to get any more personal in his career than a self-titled album. I mean, yes, that's absolutely. Important. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and it's, I guess it's hard to put this into context because there isn't any real context other than the, the material that's on here that yeah. we have to work with. And we, um, we do get this a lot in artists that where they, they make their first album their self-titled album as if to say, like, all right, this is who we are. Right, and, then, right. and then we get into our projects, which have more focused themes. But there are plenty of artists who also do that later in their career. Like, we've established this is That's, who we are. Yeah. Now, here's a really personal look. Oh, sure, here, and, sure, you know, sure, sure, sure. do that, too. I think that also the common... And I almost maybe appreciate that a little bit more, not to, like, I guess put that judgment on, but I remember in the case of, like, uh, My Brightest Diamond, um, well, that was actually called This Is My Hand. It was a personal album, even though it wasn't actually self-titled, but still, it was, like, it's very far down her career. And it, I, I kind of appreciate when you do actually just, like, prove through who you are through the sake of the music itself, rather than, I guess, being so on the nose about it earlier along. It's just what I've experienced, but... I mean, but that can all, it also game. be said to the opposite, like making your first album you're named for you is the least pretentious thing you could do because you're literally yeah. saying, yeah. I don't have a title. This is just me and my album. Right. Like, true. <laughs> it's you like, know. hello, world. My name's Benjamin Booker. I wrote a song. You like to hear it? Here it goes. Wrote a song. Just wrote it now. Right five minutes ago. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, it's that. <laughs> but so, the, and I think that the, the, next, the, the next track as well as the track we're talking about really culminates in that intimacy i thought i heard you screaming gets even more intimate steve likened the atmosphere i think it was steve or john liking the atmosphere to this kind of last call bar feel yeah like it was the it end was of even the night. further than track seven spoon out my eyeballs right. this was it was a deeper almost almost sexier i guess in some ways but sure. i think that's mostly because the because. guitar and a very light tapping, like, toe tambourine. Well, this, yeah, all that's yeah. the toe tapping tambourine is a perfect way to put it. This is like... TTT. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been acronymized already. All right, awesome. But this is the kind of track, actually, that, like, it's a, doesn't, a different side of them. Because we've had lullaby tracks earlier on. I'm still inclined to call them lullaby tracks but just because of their pace. Um, but it's actually, it shows that even despite the little nitpicks I have in this album, I still really, really like the arc because of the way he moves from one style of music into the next. Well, it's like, well, we really didn't get into the particulars of the previous track because we kind of just said, like, yeah, it's a lot of the same. But there are a couple things we missed. For instance, the idea that the previous track was a lot more up-tempo and the outro of that was a giant jam that actually, if you're peering into each, individu each individual uh, instrument's technique, the bass part was really solid. It worked really, really well with the drums. It's It's familiar but it's well done and then out of that he takes us right back down the rabbit hole into this this deep sadness and it's like it shows that this he has he has a presence of mind as he goes through track to track that i feel like we definitely have missed on artists that are even more established in their careers where they're more inclined to just say like hey we are who we are we know you're listening to to this album for us and for our sound so let's just do whatever on the tail stretch of an album and not really give much thought to the arc instead he's he's still trying to prove himself here and i get that in the flow of 
one track to the next. This this track is just beautiful. It's just it's it's a it's a man. It's it's his guitar and and his heart on his sleeve. And yeah, he's tapping on stage. This is the one man yeah, show. This is kind of finale piece in some ways, but it doesn't quite close the show itself. Well, let's put it this way: we've been sitting with this album for a week's time, Nelson, even longer, mm. and it's like, all right, we've listened. We we got to know this track and then we all listened together and when we listened together we actually listened uh with matt's wife sarah and she had this to say about the track it's the first piece of music that made me feel better about my day which uh is a pretty damn good compliment because it's kind of hard to wrap around a day and make something new out of it even in in the tail stretch uh it's pretty late here in podcast time i think i think uh I, i i think i think this is him because this is you know this is the latter half of the album we're winding down you know, yep. um, we're 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 coming close to the end, and I think this is him taking a breath. It's you know, it's giving his listeners a bit of a, a bit of a break, and it's this sort of like wonderful deep south lazy kind of just. It's like yeah, yeah, you know, you and your New Orleans boy all through and through, aren't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of which, speaking of that kind of an idea, at one point. That man took every part of me. I lost my will along the highway. Marker fifty four. She said. Oh, they don't make men like that no more. And he, then he just gets, it's the deepest and it's the closest he gets to the mic. And he just goes, honey, they sure don't. And the way he says it, borderline creepy right off the gate. But <laughs> when you know, you're whenever immersed. I, what I notice whenever I say lullaby about a track, you say creepy no, about this, the same track. It's not a lullaby, though. This is about a messed up girl. It's it's not soothing her to sleep. I mean, it starts off with the with the lines. It's a lonely walk with a load like that, my girl. You ain't seen no love since that man walked out your door. No, I, right I get away, you. We're Thematically, it up. it's very clear. We're I setting it up right established, for heartbreak. You know, the, the music itself or the sound of it is yeah. kind of a lullaby. But I even particularly like the, the stanza following that. Harder still, you think you can't tell no one? Your god died back in 94 with a needle, with a needle and a gun. I love the storytelling. Yeah, it's, I love the storytelling in this. It's just so dark, but but there's a there's a silver lining. There's a light. He's trying to find help someone find their way out, but it's through these dark this dark narrative that and he's doing it. It's through the pacing and the, the 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 actual breath of the guitar work that's going on here that doesn't make it over right. Dark. It's so simple with no bass, uh-huh. yeah. with no drums to really drag it down to be a deep percussion. Let's all get back. Let's get back to that toe tapping tangerine. The, yeah. the, the TTT. That's like it's it's on the second beat and it's on the fourth beat, right? So and the rest is just very very clear and open. You just have that little emphasis, very very meek in the background, mm-hmm. just to, to to keep the song going forward. But everything else, again, is why I I kind of harp on the 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 lullaby sound a little bit. Um, just because it is just so relaxed, you could almost fall asleep to it. You could feel better about it. You could fall asleep to it. And, you know, these, it's kind of what a lullaby is. But the point of it is to make you feel better at the time that you actually close out the day. And the style of it is very reminiscent of musicians I've actually worked with or, or met. I mean, a previous guest of the podcast who was gunning for Nelson's um, frequent flyer miles on the podcast. Who? Painless Parker, a member of Eli August and the Band of Building. Fuck that guy. And the Wasties. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never met Painless Parker. I'm yes, sure he... I'm sure, have I? Oh, he might not have been in the show where Eli August opened Actually, of, of all of our guests, he's the most inclined to join your emo-moshing klezmer band. Ooh! Yeah. Yeah. 
You are now my favorite person in the whole world. See, they made remember, up. Remember, yeah. remember what I said? They uh, made up over you. the internet. I take that back. Um, but the he's power a, of the internet. He's a musician who, when he plays on his own and he's playing his uh, mandolin, he often has a, a tambourine strapped to his ankle mm-hmm. for just toe tapping yeah. for the beat and the yeah. rhythm or for the, the, the percussion. And I get a sense of that. And he's a guy who I've seen perform in bars and at festivals. So it's conveying, it's strongly conveying that image that we're talking about because I can well, see the parallel. One thing that I had suggested even earlier about like the, the, the environment that I feel like I'm being put in, apart from just like falling asleep, is the idea that this is almost like last call yeah. at, at a bar. And, yeah, and they're yeah. about to, to set up shop. And, and Nelson was saying, like, oh, yeah, they're going to put up chairs. And everything, everything is being set up to go. And you're about ready to go home. So, But you, you feel good about that. Like, everything has been said over the course of the day. Everything has been done. Uh, everything that can be done has been done. And that's it. That's it. Close up shop. It's even iconic in the way the song ends. Because the guitar slowly drops out and is gone. And it's just the vocals and the toe tap. And it's yeah. like even the power's been shut off at this point. Yeah, he's sitting there. That's the right. light's not yeah. even on stage. Yeah, he's sitting there on the stool. He's, just he's got. He's, along. He, he has. He has something to say. He's, he's got to finish the story. He has to finish the story. And the switch I, has been thrown. The evil there, there, ogre of a. There's of there's <laughs> something there, there's something that that you know the the. The sort of vaudevillian in me really loves that idea. It has yeah. a very strong yeah. setting, and I think songs with strong setting and heart have heavy impact yeah. because you can really put yourself in that place. Absolutely. It's also the first time I, I got to say unequivocally that I really loved the vocals on this album. I've had my issues up to here. I think in in this track it was perhaps best implemented uh, because of his approach. It just it seemed he, the way he throws in this little quiver at the ends of phrases. It's just oh. it's very well done. Excellent. So good. So, okay, we've got some we've got some unanimity. Let's go on to track nine. Old nope, heart. you mean track ten. Let's go on to track ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's staying in. That's staying in. Old hearts. So this kind of takes us with, back to the indie yeah, sound. He's, he's got us on a well, bit of a roller coaster we here. Have a it's a quick wave, step. We have a wave snare drum. It's actually a sine wave snare drum just coming in and out, in and out for the introduction. And then we get, I want to say, a song smothered in a pillow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, someone is trying to kill it. So, I, I, some evil ogre of it. Maybe, maybe the guy who was running this, the same stage like, like, and who threw through the switch. Maybe you just said, screw that. I'm not going to bed. I'm going to play this track. And now he's really starting to get pissed off. So, yeah, the, the story turned. We're creating our own narrative here, It folks. took a turn. I have uh, no problem with that. You know I love doing that. But yes. here's he's out in the street trying to sing this song. From outside a some... shop window or something. Yeah, yeah but the, the right. windows are down. The, 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 the curtains are drawn. The sound's not coming through here. So the overall track, in a very long way, we're trying to say that the overall track sounds very muted. It's only slightly, though. It's not like muted in a sense where you're muting only parts or you're letting stuff stand out like from the vocals to the instruments to everything in between it's very alt it, but it, which is another thing but you just don't really hear everything at the same volume we were hearing before like even when some of the instruments were in the background the, the vocals stood out or they were really up close but here everything is kind of behind a wall yeah and I can't really say alt I think at best maybe it's more upbeat like indie rock but it, you still kind of get the, the, the punk seeping through here because of that muted nature well, like it, it brings back to the 
Uh, all, again, those compliments I said before about how, well, it doesn't really sound as if it were recorded in a really, you know, horrible environment, just that it's being channeled. But here it sounds like it is. It sounds like they just decided to do the really stripped down raw, like, make it sound as as old and as poorly produced as possible. And in my opinion, this time not to any artistic effect. And I likened it to some early uh, Blink-182's tracks, which are exactly that. <laughs> if they had better ability with the guitar and bass, because this they... guy is definitely better than Blink-182. Mark and Tom have always said they're not very good artists. They know all of two chords between the two of them. Uh, <laughs> That's one each, folks. But with, with those old Blink... At, at least certain elements, like the vocals, would come through. This was like Aliens Exist, like the the more flushed out version, but I don't want to have to fool with my, my volume dial that much when I'm listening to a track, well, especially a... on an album listen. And so far, I have not had to. It's like that's... I said earlier, the problem, I think, is really more context than anything else. I can't really accept this section because it doesn't really e e exist, you know, I, it doesn't function um, in marriage or in tandem with anything else. It's just like a solid block of question marks. I don't well, know. I don't have a subject. Well, Nelson had also said many times prior that there was a certain brightness coming through this album, especially instrumentally, yeah. and that's lacking here. It, 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 yeah. it just feels like that, that kind of brightness or that shine that stood out in moments is completely wiped out here. It feels very sepia-toned. Oh, absolutely. And I think this, this is the first time where I'm actually not impressed with uh, his music. And the song's not bad, I'm, I, I, but it just sounds like, and, and, it, and I guess this, this goes back to, you know, I, I get the sense that this, this, this guy has made some very precise creative choices about how he wants to present his music. And I get that, that this was a very specific choice for him. I don't understand why, because it feels like he's, He's stepping on his own tail, like like it feels like it wants to break out. It feels like it just wants to be this huge, like bright anthem of a song. But for some reason, and he does, and he does that kind of restrained emotionality earlier in the album that in in a piece that I really in a way that I really really liked. Here, I guess because it's 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 again coming towards the end of the album. It, it, it feels like a missed opportunity. It, it feels like a missed opportunity to just fucking go all out, balls to the wall, and I don't understand why it was it was done this way. Yeah, this uh, this track kind of brings to mind um, maybe a discussion or, or an argument that's been a while in the making for me, and that's the concept that, that sometimes I feel as if he's trying to do something fresh on this album. I'll note all of those occasions as they come. Sure. And then there are other times when I feel like it's just kind of sitting, and it really does like like the raw you know yeah. uh atmosphere i'm not really sure why i'm not I'm not always sure about like what what it has uh beneficial about it what he what it this album can serve to gain through using it except a little bit of standoffishness the 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 lack of pretension that is associated with raw work and i feel like this is a common uh a common desire among like modern music critics or the 30 year rule that john has previously explained the idea that we're we're bent in nostalgia that we want to recreate things that were done 30 years ago what was 30 years ago punk was 30 years ago it was a very raw setting what was 30 years before that all right early rock also very raw and it's like this seems and then in the interim you get 
get really, really creative things. It's like we need to go through these phases where all of a sudden it's just like, all right, let's let's really push music along and now let's sit and start reflecting on society, you know? <laughs> it, it's, it's as if that's like the big sine wave of culture for the past 50 years. But um, uh, obviously yeah. that's a little bit of a generalization, which I'm not like applying wholly to as a consideration anywhere sure, within this sure. album. But it, I do think that we can get a little bit clouded and because I've seen this trend lately of like, no, go back to the raw stuff, go back to the raw stuff. I think we can sometimes get clouded that, that it's, it's a very specific thing. It's a very specific type of art. And just as much as it can give society, it can also take away. By definition, it is just rife with holes and imperfections. And those imperfections can either sh serve to show your own faults as a human being, which can actually be a very effective thing, or on the flip side, it could just be the antithesis of, of, your, um, of your efforts. Right. Is that, if that makes any sense. You know, it does, it does. And again, that I, effort would be to overcome those, those hindrances. I, I, I just, I'm very curious as to the artistic choice he's making here. Yeah. And, and because I'm confused by it, because up to this point, his, you know, there's nothing else like this anywhere else on the album so far, and I just don't understand the choice he made there. It just feels restrained for the sake of being restrained, yeah, not for an impact of any kind. And I think that's at its core the biggest. It's just problem. like it's just the poster child example to that issue that I've I've been having, and yeah. I just explain I've been having it frankly since track one. Um, but it it's always kind of interrupted with various surprises that kind of let me leave it at the door. You know, right. but this track really just just highlights it. From here, we can go on to track. Unless you, you had a point. No, I wanted. He wanted to go to the next. Track. I want to go to the next. Track. I read his yeah. mind. Um, so next track is "Kids Never Grow Older." It's track eleven, and I loved this intro. What's if if we're gonna talk about how the, the, there was one idea that didn't quite work? Here we get in a very different idea that honestly worked great. Oh my god! Yes. Here we're getting. <laughs> First off, this is the first call and response kind of a setup he puts in a song, yeah, which is a little bit interesting, but the way he does it is just awesome because the bass and the drums in tandem, especially the drums, especially the transformative texture of the drums, yeah, is just beautiful to watch throughout the song. It is it this this song just bleeds cool. Yeah, I yeah. said it is just cool as Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I said the drums were were dynamic like earlier on the album, mm -hmm. but like this really kind of blows that out of the water. I mean, this the, the, the way they rise and fall, the way they're kind of left alone for a bar or so, and then they suddenly return in a big way with the rest of the batch. Uh, even later, it sounds almost as if they're as dynamic to like use brushes within. I don't think they're really present, yeah. but that's how light and how delicate it sounds. And I, I don't even think there are any brushes present. It's just... I don't know. It's uh, it seems to be my favorite instrument so far. Frankly, I'm not really having a lot of like favorite guitar moments or favorite bass moments. The drums kind of owning this track, uh, or owning the album rather, um, and also the way like tension is built in this track. It's that's something I haven't actually seen since track six. And the way this is built, both in title and that structure, it kind of gives it a very bluesy feel, which we get peppered throughout the album. But here, it's I feel a lot stronger, and you really feel oh, sure. yeah. his his upbringing and his background and, and, and the influences of where where he's from. And it kind of, while some of it does seem like stuff you would have heard before in the genre, it, it affect, affects the song in a way that really kind of 
pulls you in yeah. makes it even more intimate as previous songs were we got a break of that with old hearts but this one it's kind of pulling you back in well they're like night and day in terms of crispness mm -hmm. i mean you know you go from just the vocals saying like that they're so muffled and in the background again like john was saying you're putting a pillow over it and then here they're just they're they're rich they're so crisp and and ethereal as if like a whole band just got a contract or something. <laughs> and there's a second, but there's a second vocalist. I don't know if he's just completely changing his voice on a dime, but the verses. Oh and yeah. The verses into the chorus, and the chorus gets dirtied up with that guitar. It gets angsty, angry, yeah. a little bit of both. Oh, but it really, sexy. Really gets dirty. It's a very different vocal sound. I don't really think it's him. I think it might actually be another person stepping in oh, to do I, the well, chorus. It's, it's so dynamically I, yeah. different. What are they again? Sexy? Uh, sexy. This, you know, if we ever like, you know, move up in the world and we yeah. get like a nice soundboard, sure. I'm gonna just not get the soundboard and get you instead. Perfect. So I can, Done. I'll press a button yeah. and there'll be no wires in the back. No, no, no. They'll you'll, just shock me. Yeah. You'll just react. And react. depending on where it shocks me, that's the word you're gonna get. Awesome. And uh, this also has <laughs> some wicked, wicked lyrical work. No redemption, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming up. No redemption, oh, I'm, I'm coming up. And you ask me to forgive you, and you had the nerve to ask me to forgive you, and you ask me to forgive you, but I can't. It's just, it's the, just it, like, there's, there's so oh, much emotion. So much. It's powerful. And, and, and it, he, he does this wonderful thing lyrically where it's just like, it's almost like he's singing through his teeth. Like it's this yeah. kind of gritting your yeah. teeth like, and frustration oh, yeah. or anger. Oh and, it like, it, and, it, and it just builds and, and ah, this, was, this is by far my favorite uh, track on the, on the whole album. But you see, not to like lay it on really thick here, but this yeah. is why, this is what I want. If, if clearly the most, you know, evocative track is, or one of the most evocative tracks is made palatable or made more impactful by it being so dynamic, as opposed to the just kind of like flat line that we had in the previous track, right. or in various other segments of other tracks. It's like, you see why that seems to be like the, the best approach for Benjamin Booker? Sure, but I mean, I think it's also in this humble reviewer's opinion. Right, but I think it's also important to know. <laughs> Sorry about the belated caveat. It, it, uh, it, it, it's also important to note, I think, with this album, I think Nelson does make a good point that he's cutting his teeth on a lot of these songs. He's probably been playing them for a while, yeah. and it could be that some of these songs that we might have had issue with, he's been playing for years, and he just didn't have enough for an album, but this is something he wrote more recently. He added that dynamic... Uh, piece to it. Wait, who's to say? Uh, yeah, yeah it's I mean, that said, this is a middle finger up my ass in terms of what I said about the uh, <laughs> about, like later tracks on the album. Really can't surprise me. I'm infinitely more critical. This is yeah. pretty late in the album, and he surprises me. So, yeah, he's got chops for a, a debut. And also, that said, with all the stuff that comes that is is new and interesting, there's also some stuff that's pretty cliche, but in a cliche way that I kind of really dig. Like, you've got those classic rock guitar squeals in this. Yeah. But every time uh, they shine through, it's just like, it's beautiful. It rings oh, there's, true. There's wicked little guitar interludes. Like, he doesn't just use it only to make the chorus big. No. Only no, to wall a sound. It, he, he still brings it back so it's that... Punctuation. It's punctuation. It becomes it, a, ri a rhythm and then turns into a leading guitar. Yeah. That's, yeah. That kind of dynamic is a little hard to do uh, especially when you're leading directly from one to the other I mean uh, the, the guitarist actually has to change mindsets like that yeah and they're fun like they're yeah. they're really fun and that's a whole nother contrast to the message to the vocals to everything else but it's sort of like a little f you to everything else that's going on <laughs> when you end when you end one of your verses with there's a lesson to be learned my friend 
No one makes it out alive. But if I can call you my friend, I can have some peace of mind. Hmm. That's not the best or the worst. I mean, it's a very muddy kind of an idea by itself. But it's such a human take on that. You know, it, it's... It's 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 acknowledging our mortality, and but in the time we have, you know what, you and me, we're gonna have a laugh. Yeah, and that's such a wonderful human thing. And, and I, I think, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I think, uh, and I could, I didn't have the vocabulary to say it before, but what I really love about this whole album is that it's just, it's real. It's very real. It's very human. It speaks to the human condition in a way that is just not pretentious. It is not uh, some highfalutin concepts of, of you know, uh, uh, th- that, that can happen in a lot of, you know, um, m- music these days where they just kind of get up their own ass about their own ideas. He's very much a storyteller and he's very much, I, I feel like he's, and this is going to sound really fucking cliche, so forgive me. He's speaking to me. He's not. He's not right. singing to an audience. He's speaking to me. Well, and that plays to the intimacy I've been talking about, and we even see that in the final track of the album. Um, By the evening, is this slow kind of croony track that I felt was a great close for this album because he took that intimacy, and again, he got. He's gotten close to you. He stepped back. He's spoken so close to you. He made it humid, in, humid inside your ears. John put it <laughs> like this. He gets. He steps close again, and he's kind of delivering something straight yeah, to you. Yeah, right now I'm wringing out my the- ear to get the water out of it, but <laughs> I'm okay with this. Yeah. Here, he he does a couple of little tricks with his voice. And some of them are, are kind of what you expect. By the evening, just the way he, he tends to rise right before the last syllable of a line. Uh, but the elongations he put into it. That moment where it combines with the guitar right at that. Like, yeah, oh, they, God, they the function guitar. In, in tandem. And it's another one of those like singular moments, almost like as early as, uh, what was it, track three, where I, I noted like that move to like a minor second chord. And it was like the only time they did it in the entire track. But it was a really good moment, really memorable. Same thing here. Just that singular moment. And I don't think they some, ever did it again. In some cases, the guitar is not even plucked differently. The finger just bends along, shaping the sound to follow his voice. That's tight. That's hard to do. And I know he's playing the instrument um, in many cases in, in these songs, but that's just something hard to keep the pitch equal to what your voice is doing. That's, yeah. that's, that's skill in and oh, of absolutely. itself. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that, that just speaks to, to him as, a, as an accomplished artist and, and his skill and his talent. And it just, and, I mean, for a debut album, I think this is a, a phenomenal effort. And, but but even then, like some of his other phrase work with the verses, he's instead of you know starting low, rising up to that crescendo, and that last syllable being sort of a a downturn period on what he's saying, he varies that. He he's he's raising his pitch early. I mean, he's starting high in a couple of places and bringing it down low, and then doing a little bounce back. I mean, these are definitely outside the norm, and he's contrasting it with the norm, like mm. the standard flows that we come to expect. This combination really does put a lot of like emotion into it because it's all about the accent and the flow of these words that it's just so much fun. Well, I, I, we said before when you write a track that feels very cliche like wrapping up an album, sometimes we feel like it can be a little put on or a little much. But I think what's really important about the earnestness about this record is when this song starts to feel like a submission and it picks up in tempo and it feels like a wrap up. I don't find it cliche or cheesy. I really, 
it feels heartfelt and it feels sincere. You're saying it's like a, as if you were actually to like do your encore and say like, all right, this is your encore. Thank you, St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, you know that's it. I well, it's I think I think but it, but I think it, it's earned. I think yeah, it's it, particularly this last one. And I and I'm gonna steal what you said, Ernest. Okay. It's so earnest and so sincere that it's build and it's crescendo and where where it becomes very like you know, uh, good, good night, St. Louis, rock on, and right. it, it earned it. You know, it, it wasn't. It 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 doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel put upon. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, feel cheesy. Cheesy at all. I think. And I think over the course of the album, he's earned it. Uh, and that's something I actually want to talk about. The theme. It's not really the storytelling aspect, so it, it, it does seem to just revolve around his personal life. This song speaks about leaving the city, the, the city that they know is dying, with lines like, Two coats of heavy paint won't hide the rows of rotting wood. You know this city's dying. I mean, this seems to be yeah. that, that New Orleans personal experience from everything that's been happening to it over the last few years. It's like riding off into the sunset, leaving the world behind kind of a thing. But if we got that last call in track nine, these last few songs have been him leaving town. It has been the band leaving the show area to, oh, to go off into the distance. That's actually the same this thing song. I was I was considering in my head. The it idea that like, like... We, we have kept referring to like the, some of the slow songs as like lullabies. It's as if like it's almost as if this album has like tried to leave so many different times in so many different ways and then occasionally something comes up and then they get angry and then they need to like pick up the pace again and then they kind of recede again. And it's like it, it's, it's almost like the whole album took in place in the course of a day. Yeah, yeah, and it's, <laughs> it does a great job of, of using the flow of the music of the different genres he's sampling from yeah. to really like showcase this, yeah. to actually tell yeah. a story while telling just a group of stories, right? making commentary, all sorts of things like that. And unless anybody has anything to add? Nope. No? We're ready to wrap up. Yeah. I'll start. All right. Uh, right away, every genre we announced, I like. <laughs> that's number one we'll start with that number two I love his vocals but I didn't love them the first time and that's something that I'm gonna point out I had to be a little bit of a stickler to sit with this to really enjoy it because it's an unusual instrument that he's right. got here it ends up being a great instrument but it didn't start out that way in as a whole it does have a unifying sense but a lot of the storytelling is still hard to get without the lyrics themselves. That's a big detractor for me when you're obviously using a very classic rock format to tell a story. The other side is there's nothing here with very few exceptions. Many of these songs are not new. They're just very, very good renditions of older ideas, of reimaginings of these previous songs or genres, or even just taking a discography of a band, clumping it all together and saying, this is going to be punk, because this guy personified punk. Well, without the real heavy idea explosion, it's hard to say that whether this is an homage or just a lot of just borrowing. And this is the gray area that we get into. As a, as a freshman release, 
I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he's not really trying to push the boundary of a genre, not really trying to make the next best thing. He's just taking what he knows and trying to showcase it in the best possible light. When you're looking at it that way, he did a hell of a job. But it's just showcasing something we've seen before, and that's 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 going to keep it from being magical, mystical, and a five-star rating kind of a song. This kid... He's got it in him to really do some amazing things, and I just want to keep hearing him make music. So his sophomore release, like we said before, might be the next big thing. Maybe we're actually going to get rock and roll back, and it'll be the next big thing with <laughs> something to make it awesome. Listen to you, this kid, your freshman release, your sophomore release. Hey, I'm Don't worry, <laughs> champ, you'll do fine. I'm 30 now. I'm allowed to say things like this. Uh, but for all of that, as as solid as it is, I'm... It's a solid, f- it's in the fours, but I don't think it's above a four. I think it's just a solid straight through four. It's got so many of the greatest elements, but there's just nothing new or magical or that, that one identifying moment where you go, this is the part, except in a few pieces, but it's just nearly not enough. It's, it's, it's four. It's a great freshman, and there you go. Um, I think that there's going to be some overlap in our wrap-ups, mostly because f- for for what Benjamin Booker is trying to accomplish, I feel like in, in the broad spectrum, we're all on the same page. He's a great musician. He's made some really good music that we like and that we enjoy and that has substance and has heart and has an earnestness. And I think for me, especially since, you know, when it comes to rock and roll music especially, or things within that broad genre of rock, I like to connect with it on a personal level. And if you're not hitting me with the track itself being emotional, being sincere in your delivery of your music is another surefire way to get my attention. And I like that. I like that he's not trying to... It's what I like about a lot of the local bands I've seen within New York who play at the Way Station or play, you know, at Le Poisson Rouge and all of these smaller venues that are not big stadiums is that they give you an earnestness and a personal touch that you can really connect with. And and what was really telling for it was that song that we said that felt like you were in a bar at last call. Like it just you were steeped in setting and personality that I really liked. So while I agree with John that this is not giving us brand new a brand new sound, like nothing we've ever heard before, it's hyper original, I will agree that the go get him, kid, you got talent, you know, as <laughs> Steve was saying before. I think that I think Benjamin Booker, for someone I've never heard of before and who now I'm very interested in, I'm excited to see what his next album is, and this is a fantastic first release. It's not changing the world. But I think he has the potential to do just that. So I'm in the same territory as uh, John, but on my good faith alone and my connectivity to his soul as a musician in this record, I'm bumping it up a little bit and I'm giving it a 4.1. Because I think it does go above a 4 in the fact that connecting with an artist and feeling like you know a person just by listening to their music, not even picking up all the lyrics, I got that from hearing this. I like earnesty. I like honesty. I think that a, a part of my critiques earlier, some of them are from being a little bit harsher, perhaps for podcast's sake. You know, the idea that, well, we sit, we talk, we have time to really, really squint at the things that maybe people would otherwise not notice. Um, 
it's it's not to be presumptuous on our part to say that like oh we're catching the things that the rest of the world or the powers that be missed it's not <laughs> that necessarily it's just the idea that the the one thing that i am missing is 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 getting me a little bit more on this album and that's the the case of identity i feel that that might be the only thing just keeping me from the perfect four on this album which i toyed with because I, I think he's doing everything else right. I think he's got command of all these genres and could be, theoretically, anything he wants. That's a great versatility to start you off in the world. Um, but as far as the first release and as far as the signature name, Benjamin Booker, the Benjamin Booker album, <laughs> I, 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 I feel inclined just to give it the slight little minus mark to a 3.9 because I, I i can't pin down his identity i love what he does and i think he'd be a staple in just about any coffee shop or festival that i've ever attended but even them have also lacked similar things sometimes would keep them in co coffee shop level as opposed to the you know the stapled name or the household name uh is that identity issue is that they they fit more of a mood and an environment than they than they capture something that is just in in, in essence them for that i need to go to the lyrics i need to go to the theme and that that shift is just costing me that little point one um the i do otherwise though believe everything else that you said that he has the capacity to be that five-star guy but it, it it's the long road 3.9 as it stands now wow uh I mean, going going into this, I mean, I, I picked this album blind, and I'm thoroughly uh, shocked and surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, because you hate everything. Yeah, I do. I hate I hate absolutely everything. Uh, he tolerates me and barely, <laughs> barely, barely, barely tolerates. Um, <laughs> I, and you owed us money. That's why you're here. <laughs> Fuck, do I? <laughs> Awkward. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but, you know. Um, I loved this. I loved this a lot. I loved this more than I thought I was going to love it. And it feels like the return of rock and roll. Um, you know, the, 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 the rock and roll of the, like, almost the textbook definition of it. Not, not any kind of offshoot, not an alternative, but, like, pure uh unadulterated true to form rock and roll and i gotta say i mean uh for someone who i've never heard before this guy is good really really good um there was that one track that i was just really disappointed in and that's keeping me from giving it uh like uh, high marks uh because i think he has room to grow and uh but there's a there's an earnestness there there's a sincerity there there's a kind of truth that hits to a kind of vulnerability that I find um, lacking in modern art these days. You know, where every everyone's trying to put up um, this pretense of how cool they are or how much they know, or or you know, it, it becomes like a, a dick measuring contest about <laughs> about look, look at all the cool tricks I can do. And here we have Benjamin Booker who can who can he almost brought me to tears with nothing more than than a guitar and you know a tambourine no wub wub exactly and there's just something really really comfortable and comforting about that and uh and i love storytellers uh i there's there's always been a soft spot in my heart for storytellers and this man is a storyteller and uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna for for uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna steal what you said uh uh matt Sure. Um, in that 
this was a phenomenal debut album. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a better debut album, um, or at least one that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, so I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give him a solid four. Uh, you know, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump it up a solid four. I'm a four point one. I'm gonna do a four point one because I think, I think anybody else would have would have played it really safe and done like the real middle of the road stuff and. Here, there are just there are hints, there are glimpses of of just the 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 crazy wackadoo shit that he's capable of, and I loved hearing that on on a first album. It's interesting the two opposing perspectives that we were coming from is really mm. only worth a point two difference. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the idea that you are are very defensive of of the move to really like return to the raw stuff, whereas yeah. like I I may be over that hump at the moment, and I'm like kind of <laughs> maybe almost want you know the like no give me the cool thing, give me the next thing rather, but it's like I, we still acknowledge what he did. Um, Honestly, if Benjamin finds his his quote John Lennon. Uh-huh. Like his person to like to push him to to, to whether be that it's another musician or whether it's yeah. a producer or something like that, just someone to let him like go to the next level. This kid's gonna this guy's gonna be making like he's gonna be making five stars. Like, I, think, I guarantee. I, yeah, it. I, I think I think it's unanimous. I think we're all very anxious to see what's next. Yeah. from this guy, and I really really hope that there's a second album because I think if given the opportunity to create stuff where he doesn't have to worry about where his next meal is coming from or paying rent, I want to hear this guy well, let loose. He's definitely <laughs> been on the radio. I mean, I immediately recognized uh, Violent Shiver yeah. first time I heard it. I'd already heard it on the radio. I've already seen it in uh, like top twenties, top thirty. Well, yeah, I mean, this, like you know, this this album is a year old. He's got traction going on. Uh, this was actually a really familiar song. First time I heard it, I know I've been hearing it for at least the last year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will just just as a, as a closing thought, I I, I want to emphasize like marketability as well, or or rather his own choice in marketing himself mm-hmm. versus his own preference. Which sure. of course, you know, you kind of get a sense for what his preferences are here. So it's it's you know he may never go in the exact directions that we all want him to, and more power to him. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. Um, it's just the idea that like for a debut album, he he chose what he chose, and uh, I have perhaps heard more unique debut albums and even better debut albums it's just that you know <laughs> what's he gonna do next could go in any direction and yeah. i think that's why we're curious that's is exciting the, is yeah. the giant question mark yeah yeah speaking of mysteries and question marks uh that's a terrible segue but i guess we'll keep it in because <laughs> steve doesn't want to do as that much editing anyway well you could just do what i do and just forget segues altogether and just bring up the just topic go. so I, I actually wanted to bring up something that i talked to nelson a little bit off the air because uh-huh. he's used music in his performance and i saw a show i was on my honeymoon previous week and uh-huh. uh the, the shocker the episode was pre-recorded <gasps> what? anyway so i was on my honeymoon last week and um i saw a magician on our on our cruise that I thought was a little sticky because I felt the music he was using was to create an emotional response. Something called iMagic that's fairly recent and it's using technology to reproduce existing magic tricks with high-tech feels. The best parts of the show were the showy parts, not the magic parts. Yeah. But... But something I noticed is in those showy parts that I really got invested in, the music was very intense and, and, and thought and, and, and epic. And I'm curious, mm. and I want to discuss a little bit how 
not necessarily just with magic, although I'm sure that will be kind of, that will come up. Well, that'd be my point of view, anyway. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how music can it affect a live show and kind of steer the emotional response of a live show? Well, well, the first thing is just musical theater, because it's yeah. the right. combination yeah. of the two. That's that's yeah. the first natural progression when you're going to integrate music into a storytelling experience, whether it's theater or live television or pre-recorded or movies or something like that. Sure. Using a song to tell a story is an obvious thing to do. Well, I think it's it's also very easy. It's it's yeah. it's it's almost lazy to uh, uh, to basically let music that, uh, particularly music that's already that's already out in the world and people know. Um, it, it's uh, I, I find it un, un, unless there's an irreverent point of view or some sort of uh, subversive thing you're doing on stage letting letting music that's already popular tell the story that you yourself can't well, do is i think lazy the, i the, would agree <laughs> that with that even in terms of film late like i like yeah. i love soundtracks but nothing really quite matches up to a score for me something that was written with the theme in mind the you uh, know? the yeah. sneaking line of dun 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 that's as iconic as it can get. No, and, 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 and that's. I think the first place I remember that was, was it Babes and Toil. No, you know what was that Laurel and Hardy movie? Babes and Toilet. Yeah, Babes and Toilet. March of the Wooden Soldiers. No, that was it. March of the Wooden Soldiers. You got it. It was the same movie, but yeah. we're gonna. Uh, but but the thing is, like, I have no problem with done, 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 because it's done, because that. That's in the public domain. Well, no, well, I mean, but but more so, there's no lyrics, right? There's 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 no there's no um, there's no one telling you how to feel. You you've already dis, you know the, the music itself is such a classic piece of music that it has a traditional feel to it. Well, you can also have the don't you forget about me kind of a tropey musical piece. Well, yeah, but. Yes, but when it was done in the Breakfast Club, it, it was, was original and original. And now it's not. Now it's and not. I it's kind of like see it once in a while. No, I get it. It's also like you know when magicians use you know, uh, do you believe in magic by a loving spoonful? <laughs> yeah. I kind of just want to uh, gouge my eyes out. Well, well see, what a, these examples prove are, uh, is that, that we all have a different threshold for this kind of thing, and sure. like you know. If you're going to talk about stage music and like something that actually encompasses your entire theme, one of the issues I happen to have with, for instance, uh, Hans Zimmer, you know, yeah. and, and his, his, uh, the way he uses music in movies is that to him this may actually be a success, but to me it's, it's a little bit of a, um, it's, I, I think it's a sad thing, I think, for what he was trying to do. The idea that like his grand, imposing, epic film or action sequences became kind of a packaged product after that. The idea that everyone seems to kind of pursue that. And it may well, like, a, like, a, fact like a music video within like the context of yeah. a larger film. Yeah, and it's even like people want to emulate it. Yeah, even in, in, in all in bands, they want to emulate it for whatever your, your project. Like, well, that's epic. That's the only way to do it now because he's achieved some kind of like pinnacle product. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel that. I feel that you can do a lot more with a lot of other approaches. It's just that's one avenue that now has become a trope. Sadly, I, for 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 me, I go out of my way to never use music that actually has any lyrics, or uh, use music that the lyrics are foreign. Um, mm. Because I don't want I, I don't want the song to tell the audience how to feel about what I'm doing. You want your show to tell. Them I want what I'm them. doing yeah. to inform the audience how to feel about what I'm doing. Um, the music is is only there 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess my, my attitude's changed over the years. It used to be there because there are acts that I do that are silent. I don't speak. Right. And so in order to not just perform to, like, you know, nothing, n- nothing it's, it's nice to have something in the background. Sure. But, I mean, n- now that I've d- been doing this for a long time, you know, uh, the, the music is, is what I'm basically doing when I'm not speaking is I'm doing choreography. And to me, that's a dance, right? So I, I choose music that will uh, complement what I'm doing rather than inform what I'm doing. Just a quick question. Gotcha. Have you ever used 2001 A Space Odyssey? Oh God! Yes, I have. Of oh God! I think and everybody I don't, has. And, and I don't. And I don't. And look, I don't feel good about that choice. <laughs> um, I, 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 my only defense was that I was young and I was stupid. Looks well, like uh, there's so much self hatred in this episode. <laughs> so, something that's come up through my experience just running sound for burlesque shows sure. is like I know one of the big tropes for burlesque shows is everyone has a diamonds is a gr- diamonds are a girl's best friend act yeah because that's like the burlesque song performed to. But what I think is funny is taking something tropey, something interesting in stage performance, taking something tropey and turning it on its head. Like one of my using the trope against itself. Well, like Nasty Canasta, who I adore, she's a brilliant performer. Sure, she has a, a diamonds. A an act to that song but she's dressed as a mine worker and a, a miner and she's got like <laughs> coal smudged on her face and she's wearing a hard hat and overalls and carrying a giant pickaxe and like she that's what she strips to but she's dressed like a diamond miner and I think that's yeah. taking something taking something that can be tropey in, in stage but even, and making it your own and, and as, as brilliant as, as, as she is and as, and as great as that act is I still don't like um, I don't like it when the performer is using the the song to tell the story. Sure. Mm-hmm. I want I want the story to be done by the performer. I don't sure. want the music to tell me how I should feel about it. Um, I mean, classic burlesque back in the day, back when you know it was in you know the '60s and and you know uh, in its in its heyday before it was kind of like pushed out by by puritanical po- uh, politicians. None of that music had lyrics. None yeah, of it. It was all. It was all. It was all big band stuff. And yeah. and and probably the only lyric they would have in there was like, you know, da 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 tequila, and that's it. That's yeah. all you get. Yeah. You know, and I I and I and I and and too many performers, and and you get this a lot from young performers who just don't really have not worked the walk the boards enough to have the kind of experience to really trust themselves and trust that they that they're good at what they do. They rely on everything else to tell their story rather than them just telling their story, you know. But, uh, but when you're including music, I mean, it's hard not to have sounds that evoke the the idea you're trying to get across. I mean, when you want to be mm-hmm. comedic, you're going to have a, like a yet kind of right. idea. And that's, and, and, but, the, but you're using the music to complement what you're doing rather than letting the music inform what the audience should be thinking. You know, it's, it's almost still... like just two weeks ago we were having a discussion on titles and sure. the importance of titles or the, of, you know, lack, the, of importance. lack of importance. The idea that title is really trying to sum up your work when we'll really, with reference to music, shouldn't the music be speaking for it? Right. And it's just like, that was always classical tradition. Titleless. Leave yeah. them at a number. And yeah. then the music... Adagio 6. Exactly. The music <laughs> will speak. Right? And you'll remember Adagio 6 just for reference purposes. Right. It'll be like, you know, Mo- Mozart's Symphony Number no. 2. Like, yeah. that's that's how they were titled. Yeah. And obviously, it's not exactly the same case, because it's still, no matter what, even if you decide to title it, you're still the, right. you're still the man behind because the curtain. Because there's a magic you're the, flute. You're that the artist. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. <laughs> Operas, they, they were exceptions. But some 
sometimes when you're when you create a serious piece, you need a comedic element to keep it from being too real. Sometimes when uh, you're being sometimes comedic, like yeah. I mean, how do you how do you? I know you're working on another show. You've already sure. done one. How do you straddle the line of going too far with using the music to be informative? Like, is there a line? Like, can you just like going back to 2001 right that's crossing the line i mean that's trying to become a little bit too well epic. i mean it's 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 cliche right it's in 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 much the same way that you know poetry and sculpture and dance have their own particular clichés when when choosing music to accompany um it could be anything it could be magic it could be dance it could be like you know like using um the stripper but da da ba but yeah. uh, that's cliche and burlesque. It's so cliche that if anybody does it, it's completely frowned upon unless you are the most brilliant performer in the world. You know, kind of like, um, yeah, I mean, a comedian can print, can bring a rubber chicken out on stage, but it takes a fucking genius to make that funny. Well, in, then, in, in do, much do you see a line using this music in your arts? Like, do you I, see, like, where it becomes just from an informative piece to a cliche piece? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I do now. I mean, I, I didn't when I was younger. You know, <laughs> okay. um, in fact, when I was younger, I would I, I would basically say, um, this, it, it physically takes me three and a half minutes to do this routine. I need a three and a half minute song. And I could care less what it is. You know. Well, actually, I'm glad you um, mentioned that because, frankly, you were all kind of beating around the bush. But yeah. a lot of times, all right, if you have a very specific concept, then yes, music needs to be 100% appropriate. Sure. But the goal, of course, is the magic act. And if the goal right. is the magic act, then there's a there's a reason why we have background music. There's a reason why it exists. Yeah. And while it's not something that we frequently look at here on the podcast because why the idea you? of focusing why, yeah. on an album is that it's something that the spotlight is on. Yeah. That wouldn't be background music. But if you like, if you have a product that is supposed to be more of a focus than the music, and then the music just needs to serve just one purpose, and that's just the bare bones mood of it. Sure. And that's it. And, and do you find that those cases arise more frequently? Y yes and no. I, it's 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 really. I mean, it's 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 hard for me to say that there's a there's a hard and fast rule for any of this because it really depends from performer to performer and style and you know my my particular point of view is I don't want the audience uh, <laughs> walking away going that was a really good song he 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 played yeah that, that's not a thing I want right. yeah. you know I I want I want them leaving you know if if they it's almost like a movie score in the sense that I would be. I would be tickled pink if they don't remember a fucking song I ever played. Right. Because that means they were paying attention to me. Well, by virtue you know? of them really even being there to watch the show, sure. people's minds are kind of, they're, they're reallocated. They're already really thinking about the show, and I've sure. experienced this sure, very sure. often. There's a lot of time where I don't even really hear soundtracks. It actually took me a while, even over the course of my life, to really start appreciating soundtracks because I had to kind of shift gears. Now sure. I'm all about them, and now, frankly, I care about them more than a lot of movies. But it's like, that really shouldn't be the way it is. It should be the opposite way around, and it's affecting you on a subconscious level. Well, I think, I, you're, I think you're affected by the story. Well, mu music in, in terms of performance, particularly in the performing arts, um, it's it's great when it's played and no one notices. Yeah. But when it's not there, it's it is palpable how yeah. how it's missing. Yeah. Mm. And I've seen I've seen one act or yeah. one person acts 
and the ones lacking the music, regardless of the content, tend to be the either the very most impactful or the or, very least impactful. Right. But that in itself is all just that's society. That's the way we've constructed it in our heads that that's what we should be getting. That's what we expect. We we associate the two together. Well, I mean, yeah, well, because Hollywood has sort of, you know, created that bias. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's the way we all think now. And so there, there's no real way around it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting because it's something that I'm struggling with the new show because, you know, uh, the, the, the new show has a lot more, it's more, it's, it's, it's more multimedia. There's, mm-hmm. there's video elements. There's, uh, um, there's uh, a, a lot more music in the, in the sense that I, I want the show to feel like an episode of This American Life. Where, where the yeah. stories are actually have a score. Like I, I wanna I wanna you know I wanna reach out to musicians and composers and or DJs who can create um, the underlying uh, beats or melodies that will score the pieces as I go through the show. So Which we're we're best. in inverse positions regarding today's album. Yeah. I guess the raw <laughs> approach would be just like, nope, this is like old school street side performance. There's no musician in sight. There's just the magic and the routine and the Well that was you know, that was gathering the magic. And right. and and gathering magic is great. It's an earnest, very sincere show. Mm-hmm. But for the new show, because I wanted to be more raw, more visceral, more more emotionally vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, I kinda need to have I, and I hate to use this word, but I kind of need more gimmicks because the subject matter that I'm going to be talking about is very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to be talking about death. I'm going to be talking about loss. I'm going to be talking about heartache. I'm going to be talking about things that people spend their lives avoiding the topic. And I kind of need, and, 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 I, and, and I'm using the word gimmick for the lack of a better term because I don't see them as gimmicks, but they are stage I'll, I'll, tricks. I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there. Sure. Um, and perhaps it's completely off the mark. Please. But like, just using those uh, those factors that you want to employ, mm. the like the best example that I can personally think of from another di- medium sure. to actually sure, sure, sure. get that across is like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Beetlejuice was all about the morbid. Yeah. And all about things that probably hadn't really been discussed in film before, yet it was a comedy. And it was yeah. a great comedy Absolutely, at that. absolutely. And the funny thing is, I do remember the music there. And the music yeah. helped. Yeah. It helped incredibly. Absolutely. And so, so in, in, in order for me to talk about the loss of my mom or, or the death of my grandmother or, you know, the, 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 the time I spent a week in a mental institution, you know, yeah. I think contemplating my own life, I, I need something to... Keep the audience aware that everything's going to be okay. And by adding in underscore, by adding in video elements, by adding in little things here and there, it's going to keep the audience feeling safe. Because I don't ever want them to not feel safe. Well, I think it gives... It it sounds like you want to kind of get into their subconscious, but still kind of keep them grounded a bit so... They know yeah. it's a show. Well, yeah, that's exactly. the idea. Like, like, that exactly. there's no actual threat to you exactly. or to them. Exactly. It's it's like a roller coaster, right? Yes. It's it's gonna get really really scary, but we're all gonna end up in the station nice and. Fun. That's the reason why I kind of mentioned Beetlejuice because there were naysayers about that whole entire project. The idea that like it you could do a comedy it, about death. Yeah, it's like the, your main <laughs> characters die within two minutes of the show, and there are some pretty you know morbid scenes in there. They go into the into the afterworld, which is full of people who died in awkward ways. One guy who gets run 
over and he's just a completely right? flat and suicides you know, are civil servants exactly yeah. <laughs> it's, see it's great gimmicks but it also yes. fills in the really like uncomfortable spots when they like they open the room yep. of the of the the un, that's that's death for the dead and all these soldiers flying around like with the river sticks or something it's like that's uncomfortable yeah but because we surround and we have michael keaton in you sure. know we can we can kind of get on board with this right i mean i i would i would never compare what yeah. i'm doing to be the next beetlejuice but um i i, I mean <laughs> well i don't i don't know every 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 aspect of it but it's, it's the uh, but, idea but yeah it's the idea that you have to take it, it one minute at a time because yeah. whenever you have any kind of routine and that's whether it's music movies magic actors show whatever have you it it's like the joke will fade yeah and once the joke fades we're back to this plateau where then you have to pull their strings and decide when it gets really, really serious and when Absolutely. you want them to emote is, and then when you want to just suddenly like crack that in half with the next joke. That's, well, that's the why, art that, of any that's kind. That's why of... I, I'm, I'm really sort of uh, latching on to this idea of making it sound like a really well-produced NPR podcast. Yeah. You know, because they can tell really moving, really vulnerable, really emotionally inducing stories and everybody feels really good about them at the end. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like we got to the bottom of that. We'll, we'll take credits in the program of the next, the next, uh, okay, cool. show, show. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you again for joining us for this show and for bringing this album. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll find some way to work you into our inevitable steam power giraffe episode. I'm sure. Sweet! But, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but thank you for taking the time to join us. It's always a pleasure to have you. And it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and before I have you read our sign off, our saying, as you've done so many times, I will exactly uh, twice, exactly <laughs> twice. I will have Steve tell us, uh, what we're getting into uh, next week. Oh, first That's... with the spam. Oh, oh yeah. right. the, spam. the spam. That's right. The spam. The spam. The spam that See we're the, allowing Nelson to steal. Right, right. YouTube. So he can use for YouTube. Hey, you right. got those Don't views. Worry. I got bundles. I'll put you on a mailing list. Don't read <laughs> the actual hate mail. The hate mail it gets really bad from YouTube. Just I wish I had hate mail. No, I wish I had any kind no, of mail. Don't. don't worry. No, no, the, mail, want, the mail only sends every hour. No, no, I want hour. someone to call me a fag and, and, and die in a fire made of a thousand fires. I, I want that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like well, this, one, this, this one's not so bad. Um, 88,902, 210,395. Thank you for the sensible critique. Me and my neighbor were just preparing to do some research on this. We gotta grab a book from our region library, but I believe I learned much more clear from this post. Oh dear. By B.F. Modi. Yeah. That's right. a per that that seems that's legit. A telephone yeah, number. Right? That's legit. That yeah. seems like a person. That's a four. Uh, See, that's a telephone you guys number. actually do a mailbag so. and answer real fan mail. No, it's we the get number. one maybe oh, every okay. couple of months. No, the first so <laughs> we just Start fill with it with baloney. Yeah, it's a different number. Oh yeah, that's a phone number. Yeah, that right there. Did you that one right there? We just had four conversations on a podcast. Yeah, there we go. Sweet. That's awesome. It's a number. Well, now we're just wasting our listeners' time. Let's go on to next week's album. Ooh. It's a fan pick. Oh. And it's a familiar fan pick. Oh! Last year we had uh, an album pick by the name of Jose Knockjaw, who is stumbled upon us randomly. I believe he's from down there in, in Dallas, Texas. Is that his real name or is that his handle? So no, his, name his handle is, is Knockjaw. His, his name is ha Jose. His handle is Knockjaw. Knockjaw? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. N O K J A W. That's all right. It's good. <laughs> so he got into a few. Uh, first of all, he, he gave us the delightful album Ohio by Daryl. That was back in episode. Uh, 114 and then 
uh, he suggested a couple more things, and unfortunately I could not accommodate him because he got into some other older episodes. He was really interested in our episode 66 review of Arctic Monkeys, uh, self-titled AM, which is technically self-titled because they just acronymized their own word. Just as the um, You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you, you think, think it means. No, probably not. <laughs> No, it's not abbreviated. It was yeah. thought to be accurate. It's an abbreviation. No, abbreviation. No, it's an abbreviation. Right. When you shorten down to like the first three letters of no, something. No, it means AM. And not the individual. As in the morning. Well, anyway, they did that because of the Velvet Underground album VU. And that's right. why they, it was an homage, yeah. really. Yeah, not just a straight up self-titled. Point is, he got so into them, he started just going through their other albums. And he suggested us Humbug. And he most recently suggested us Arctic Monkeys Suck It in C, which is from 2011. And Nelson, you'll sympathize with the guy because I had to say, no, you can't. I it's feel too, you, Jorge. It's I mean, too old. Uh, Jose. Jose. <laughs> I feel you, knock monkey, knock, knock jaw. jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I broke the guy's heart. Anyway, he suggested a new album, and I will accommodate him justly. He suggested a psychedelic rock album yes. called The Great Pretenders oh. by Mini Mansions. And I've never heard of them before. When, when was that put out? This was put out, I believe, in April? Oh, yeah. I believe it's this brand one. new. So brand spanking yep. new. It still has that new album smell. I love that mm. smell. <laughs> smell. Love it. Music. Video games. I buy everything digitally. It stinks. You lose that new stuff smell. I love like just opening it up and just getting that of a little bit of death in your life right there as it as it slowly gives you cancer. Well, but this it smells got dark. so good. Yeah, yeah. This got real dark. I, um, we've, we've been dark for a while. That's true. true. There you go. Um, We're 150. Well, I'm looking forward to doing old. that. Um, Knockjaw, thank you again for writing in and emailing us and staying a, f- uh, a listener of the podcast. We enjoy having you send us the requests. At least somebody is. <laughs> At least recently. Um, but thank you, and we will take that on next week. Nelson, again, thank you for joining us. It's Not a at pleasure. all. Not at all. And and please uh, find me on YouTube uh, or uh, find me at the Epic Podcast at nerdyshow.com. Which we have had all of the hosts on as as uh, as guests at some yes. point or another. Yeah. Schaefer still claims he's going to go for your title and, and take can't. away you. He can't now. I know. Well, no, he too- can, but it's going to take a oh. lot of effort on his behalf. And he, he, would- he hates effort. Yeah. <laughs> I, you heard it here first, folks. That's not a scoop. Relax, people. That's fucking public knowledge. Um, but would you do us the honor, of course, signing us off this episode? Absolutely. Uh, be safe, internets. Music is life, and life is good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.